two Serie A sides meet in the final. It's Inter against Lazio. Into live by Zamorano. Zanetti! A memorable goal in a European final for Javier Zanetti. This goal was scored by Inter legend Javier Zanetti in an all-Italian UEFA Cup final 3-0 victory over Lazio back in 1998. Quite a mouthful for you. Quite a few there, adjectives, right? <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few. Um, I'd like to thank a follower of ours on TikTok, at unfunnyguy underscore 17. We think you're funny, bro. We think you're mm-hmm. cultured as well, so... Please don't go around bringing your ego down like that. And thank that. you for listening to the full Cannavaro one. We appreciate it. Of what a legend. What a legend. They come they come in small doses, but they truly are loyal and they truly are the best. Yes, sir. So you engage with us, guys, and we'll deliver. Thank you very much for recommending this intro for us. So what did you make of Zanetti, bro? I think apart from him being... Firstly, what I like about uh, Zanetti is that he seemed, from his structure and from his playstyle, he seemed almost clumsy. It's mm-hmm. like at any second it looked like he was going to fall over when he was running on the ball. But he never did. He was always ever so elegant and graceful. His touch on the ball was fantastic. It was always very effective. He was versatile. We saw him play in defensive midfield. We saw yeah. him play at left back. We saw him play at right back. And his professionalism. Definitely sure. 100% his professionalism is what there is to write home about Javier yeah. Zanetti. He spent until he was 41 years old playing in the top flight, you know, and he never had a single ounce of controversy in his career. Never. Absolutely not. And that's when he was living in Milan, you know. Milan love a good controversial news story. You know, you have La Gazzetta dello Sport with all those journalists sniffing around. Exactly. And they never found anything on him. You know, it's always been quiet. Well-mannered, modest, a yeah. perfect example. Not not a single thing wrong about, about Zanetti. Um, there was one instance where he was frustrated with a substitution back when Roy Hodgson was the ah, coach yes. for Inter. And it seemed as though when Zanetti was coming off, he seemed to have a bit of an attitude about him. He was flailing his arms. He yeah. disagreed with the decision. Um, but he ended up embracing Hodgson at the yeah. end of it. And shaking the player's hand who was coming on to replace him. Exactly. Too. A great example overall. So obviously everyone gets, gets moods and everyone has yeah. their opinions. But it's about being a professional at the end of the day. And Zanetti was always that. And that probably came due to his humble beginnings, bro. You know, he was born to a bricklayer and a cleaner. Um, definitely where he was taught to be modest and hardworking, no? Yeah, for sure. And even when he was training to become a professional footballer, he was also helping his dad out laying bricks. Um, He said Mm. that he enjoyed it himself. He enjoyed building a house. He said, I liked my father's work, but above all, I liked the idea of doing something concrete and useful. Building a house is a metaphor that I like. It's at the core of my life philosophy, starting from the bottom and reaching the top. So this guy used to wake up at 4 a.m. He used to deliver milk and he took great pleasure in Mm. it. And then he used to train football and he used to help his father as a bricklayer. And he made it to where he is today. Yeah, and that's because he would continue training, right? After all that hard work with his studies, with his actual, you know, trying to help the family out financially. Mm. Um, He also had trials when he was 16 years old with one of the big five teams in Argentina, um, Club Atletico Independiente. Mm. However, um, after a matter of weeks, the coaches actually dismissed him for being too slight and too weak. Ah, they seem to have great opinions on football, but that is probably where he developed such great physicality on the ball because the man used to literally jostle four players 
off the ball throughout his career. So that's probably, I mean, you yeah. can't hate these guys for telling him that when probably as a result of that, he's developed into such a fantastic player. Man. He, had a, he had a point to prove, right? Exactly. Um, after that, obviously, he, he knuckled down on his training. He even finished his studies and he completed his education, man. And then at 18, finally, he had um, a call-up. Uh, he signed his first professional contract with Club Atletico Taleres in the second division. He played 33 games there and he scored a single goal. At 18 years old, you're playing in the second division in Argentina. Few people would think that you'll make it to the very top yeah. of the game. Yeah, and it would be a safe assumption to, to say that this person won't be a world beater, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was then, a year later, where he was signed by Banfield in the top decision. Those do sound like an English club, <laughs> but they are not. They are an Argentine club. He played 66 professional games there and he scored four goals. This was between 1993 and 1995. So yes. he was 21 years old at that time. Clock is ticking. And actually, within his spell over here, that's where he earned his nickname, El Tractor. Yes, you can, you can guess what that means. <laughs> <laughs> if you're smart. Um, that's obviously for his stamina and his positively relentless attitude. So we're already starting to see Zanetti take shape yeah. as, a, as a player over here. In fact, it was at this moment in his career where he entered the limelight. Um, he made his international professional yeah. debut yeah. Um, with Argentina in a friendly match against Chile. And then he actually went on to actually feature in professional knockout games for them as well in group stage games too and that's when um, of course Inter first noticed him bro yep it was Massimo Moratti in the summer of 1995 so for those of you who live under a rock and don't know who Moratti is he was an Italian petroleum tycoon turned football club president he assumed control of Inter in 1995 and over the course of 16 years he's rumored to have spent 1.5 billion of his personal fortune on football superstars. These obviously included Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Wesley Snyder, Luis Figo, Patrick Vieira, Samuel Eto'o, Christian Vieri, Zamorano, Crespo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, Roberto Carlos, Adriano, Maicon, like... Yeah. But... And all these guys were signed in their prime, bro. That's the craziest thing about it. There you it. go. There you go. But then there was, of course... Um, the first signing that he oversaw. It was actually yeah. a, a double signing. <laughs> um, the signings of Javier Zanetti and Sebastian Rambert, or Rambert, um, yeah. whichever you prefer. Um, these were the smaller signings, of course, n none of the superstar signings that Matthew mentioned earlier. But this would prove to be the most important out of the lot. You know, he bought a player, Javier Zanetti, a legend of the club, retired shirt number, you know, won it all with them, captain's armband, everything. Of course, man. Of um, course. Ramber, on the other hand, was sold to Real Zaragoza in 1996 after failing to make a single yep. appearance. Just a, just a year later, man. Not so, playing a single game and leaving a year later, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde <laughs> Exactly. With those superstars it must have been so intimidating for for Zanetti actually to enter that dressing room at 21 22 years old um, and do what he did and in fact he went on to spend 19 years at Inter he broke the record for the most appearances which still stands today at 858 in all competitions in Serie A he has 618 appearances and that is the third most in the league um, it's behind Buffon with 658, Maldini with 648, and he's also tied with Francesco Totti. So 
up there with the elites, Manzanetti. Yeah, he's won the Serie A five times between 2005 and 2010 with Inter. The Coppa Italia four times during that spell too. The Super Coppa Italiana four times. The Champions League once in the treble winning season of Mourinho. Um, the UEFA Cup once in 1997-1998 and the FIFA Club World Cup in 2010. Um, also in Mourinho's treble winning side, Zanetti was the player who featured the most times, the most appearances and he even lifted each of the three trophies. That's insane. It's actually insane. And it's funny that you mention um, him in the Champions League because at 37 years old, he had scored the opener um, in a match against Spurs when there was that Gareth Bale hat-trick and Inter had won 4-3 at the Giuseppe Meazza. And at the time, he had become the oldest player in Champions League history to score in the Champions League, naturally. Uh, all, all of the tabloids were talking about Bale's hat-trick, Bale's hat-trick, but they failed to pick up on this. And I remember that because we were in a train station in Milan when, when, that, was, when that was going on. And those fantastic televisions, no? Yeah, and those pixelated pieces of shit. <laughs> Zanetti got two red cards throughout his entire career. The first one was in 1999 and then one in 2011. Jesus, 12 years it. apart. 12 years apart. Yeah. And, you know, a defensive player typically gets more and is expected, quite frankly, to get more. So that just goes to show how how good he was and how good his judgment was, you know? Because yeah. typically you have to make a foul when you're positioned... Poorly, no? To, yeah, to exactly. compensate for your lack of But awareness. he always had that, that mature play style about him. He was always... We normally talk about strikers being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. But Zanetti was always at the right place at the right time. And it didn't result to him scoring many goals. In fact, he has around maybe 12 goals uh, yeah. in Serie A for, for, for Inter. Inter. Yeah, that's um, right. However, you know, two red cards is just... Is just Absolutely insane. Constantly positioned in the right place. He was always the last man when they needed him to be the last man. He was always putting pressure forward when he needed to be putting pressure forward. Um, However, he did have a weird career with Argentina, eh, man? Yes, bro. Um, He was quite unlucky, to be honest, because he was victim to some very poor decisions yeah. you know um, the first one of course in 2006 with Javier Zanetti quite frankly in his prime mm. um, Jose Peckerman the coach of Argentina decided to not call up Zanetti to the World Cup despite playing every single group match game it's insane how he wasn't called up because he must have been the best defensive midfielder yeah, yeah, that Argentina had at the time and I don't even think it's it's a debate what what a miss for Argentina and obviously yeah. subsequently they didn't do too well in that World Cup either yeah and then another bizarre one came in 2010 when um, a seemingly manic Diego Maradona <laughs> was at the helm to say the least. Um, <laughs> he decided to drop Zanetti um, replacing him with um, Jonas Gutierrez who was playing oh, with Newcastle yeah. oh in the championship at the Spider-Man. time Spider-Man yeah. and um, Mascarano took the captain's armband now that Argentina side was like notorious for being totally um, what's the word um, unprofessional mm. unprofessional you know they were totally unprofessional it was a mess over there there was no gamesmanship there was no 
professionalism there at all. And in fact, they, they could have really used Zanetti. And he had just won the treble with Inter, you know, you're going to leave him out. The man should have been there and he should have been captaining Argentina and he would have set a good example. Obviously, they had a legend in Maradona as their manager, but we all know that in his later years, and not only in his later years, but even in his admittedly, later years. Admittedly, during his playing years too. Exactly. He, he wasn't in the best state of mind, maybe, to be carrying out such a role. And I don't think his CV or his coaching skills proved that that he should be uh, the coach of Argentina. And a player like Zanetti obviously suffered because of that. Could it be that maybe there's a bit of Napoli bias? But he did call up Cambiasso, to be honest. Um, he didn't call up Cambiasso. Oh, he didn't. He call didn't up include him in oh the squad. Oh my god! So you might be right. Maybe he was just you know flexing to the Neapolitan fans, showing his loyalty. You know, mm. that could have been the case. Yeah, anyway. and letting down an entire country as well <laughs> while he while he's at it. Yeah. Um, to wrap this up, Zanetti retired from professional football in 2014 at 41 years of age and was appointed as vice president by Eric Tohir, um, a role that he still fills. A role that thankfully he doesn't still fill is featuring on the Indonesian Idol back in 2012. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Seria Spotlight. We're your hosts, Matt and Jake. It's episode 38. 38, yes. That's as many matches as there are in a season. So we're spoiling you. We're giving you more than there are match days this season. Exactly. As always, guys, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter, um, where we post some updates, we post some cool clips and we also post our prediction series. A prediction series that, brother has led to yet another victory for me. It was an outstanding 13 to 4. I got three exact scores. You got none. Yes, that is correct. And we are now tied at 10-10 in the championship. So if you thought Serie A was close, you should check out the prediction series. Um, We were talking about what should happen if it ends in a draw. Uh Uh-huh. We do a best out of three, or no, just one FIFA game. One FIFA game and we post it. And we post it. We post I'm in it. for that. I'm in for that. Okay. So, yep, check out our YouTube in the near future <laughs> as well. And alongside that, guys, don't forget to rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, yeah, wherever, wherever the you fuck listen. you're listening. Yep. So, another crazy week. Brother, what did you make of this week of football? A mundane weekend was upon us, bro. A weekend with no plans. We got on the sofa. We flicked on the TV. And Serie A was like... Well, what can I say, bro? Hell is gone and heaven's here. There's nothing left for you to fear. Shake your ass, come over here. Tonali. <laughs> Pioli. Henri. Henri. Ooh. As well. Ah, we can keep going. Inzaghi. Inzaghi. <laughs> <laughs> Shake your ass and stay the fuck there. <laughs> if we talk in Inzaghi. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, as, as Robbie Williams pointed out, this was a crazy week of football. We were highly entertained sitting on the sofa. It stemmed on to Monday, as it has been recently with that Fiorentina-Roma yeah. thriller. 
of a match, an unexpected result over there. Um, but we are going to read the results to you to make sure that you don't miss any details whatsoever. Um, the beatboxing has died. That will not be happening anymore. Yeah, I, I think, you know, twice was already stretching it. Yeah. So fuck it. I'm just going to do my best to read them out as well as I can to you guys. So it was Verona 1, Milan 3, as Milan stay at the top of the table. Inter did need to come from behind against Empoli, winning 4-2 after going 2-0 down in the first half. Napoli edged Torino away from home in a 1-0 victory. Juve suffered defeat in the most dramatic of fashion with a 2-1 away loss to Genoa with a 96-minute Chris Schitter penalty, making amends with the supporters over there. Lazio got past Sampdoria in easy fashion, some might say, with a 2-0 victory. Fiorentina got past Roma, two goals to nil as well. Atalanta went to Spezia and came away with a 3-1 victory. Udinese were held 1-1 by Sassuolo away from home at the Mape. It was probably the most glistening match of football played last weekend was Venezia 4 Bologna 3. I doubt Venezia have even scored 4 in their last 10 matches. <laughs> Salernitana 1. Cagliari 1 with the latest goal in Serie A history in the 99th minute. He beat Petania's record, I believe. He did beat Petania, and this time it was to get me correct score. Last time it it was, Petania it got to get you me, uh-huh. correct score. Oh, so, the turntables. Oh, the turntables. So anyway, bro, I think we should... We should kick this off, right? Yeah, we've been yapping for a while. Time yeah. to yap. And these intros are just getting longer and longer. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> Eventually, hey. we're going to have half the episode on intro. <laughs> so, the first game we're going to be discussing is Verona 1, Milan 3. Siam venuti fi qua, siam venuti fi qua, per vedere segnare cacao. Anyway, the previous encounter was Milan 3, Verona 2. Verona actually took a 2-0 lead that game, so yep. it's always a difficult um, task against uh, Verona for Milan. But it was a Samu Castillejo masterclass at the time. Yeah, it was Castillejo and Krunic, was it? I remember Castillejo coming on, forcing an own goal, mm-hmm. uh, a spectacular own goal, and even assisted, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, yes, no, it was just the, the last one. He forced an own goal, I believe that was Could it. Be. But he played really well, he pressed yeah. really well. Uh, Milan were coming off their 1-0 home victory against Fiorentina, while Verona were coming off a 2-1 victory in Sardinia against Cagliari, of course. This is the 60th match between Verona and Milan, 10 wins for Verona, their last one coming back in December 2017 in a 3-0 home win. 21 draws and 28 wins for Milan. Now, Milan fans were obviously scared coming into this game um, and will be relieved by the performance, to be honest with you. Um, Milan have had a league title snatched away on two separate occasions at the Bentegodi against Verona um, in 1973 and in 1990, thus Verona being dubbed La Fatale Verona. Well, and Verona stopped Napoli from Gattuso's Napoli from getting Champions League last season as well, so they exactly. are a team that enjoy a good upset, man. They're a team that fucks, bro. <laughs> exactly. So, in the six- 16th minute, Tonali managed to tap the ball in, but the celebrations were halted as he had been in an offside position. Happy birthday <laughs> to <laughs> you. Happy birthday I'm gonna have to, stop. to you. Happy birthday to Sandro. Happy birthday to you. Hopefully now he'll lose his baby teeth. What is that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my, you bastard. I love him. So, I love him. What's with birthday boys scoring braces? I don't like know, Like, even man. Bonucci on his birthday scored a brace. I don't know, man. Italy is weird. 
Italy is weird with it's these romantic, things. Right? It's it so romantic, right? It's so romantic. But anyway, um, it's just incredible. Like I guess people are more inspired on their birthdays, no? Could be. In Could the 48th be. minute, it all went tits up for Milan as Faroni managed to score a goal. Um, Illich piercing ball down the middle took Milan's double pivot out of the game completely. Um, Lazovic got the better of Calabria, um, not the first time yeah. this game, and was played through on the left. He whipped in across to Faroni at the far post, whose only opponent um, was tra- tracking back Krunic, quite frankly. Milan were caught off guard, Theo was nowhere in sight, Kessie was not filling in the hole, and Kalulu was also oddly positioned. It was a lack yeah. of um, concentration, a lapse in concentration for Milan, if you will. A lapse in concentration, but also a, a fantastic piece of play by Verona. They managed to catch Milan off guard, and they managed to leave Milan flat-footed, quite frankly. And then fortunately for Milan, towards the end of the first half, um, in added time, uh, Leao received the ball by the sideline um, and just effortlessly glided past Chesale, like so effortlessly, yeah. completely yeah. destroyed. Slow down, sped up. And it never looks out. like Leao hits full speed, eh? He is, he's just running at a comfortable pace with a smile on his face. Yeah, he glides. Yeah, he glides. He does glide and he glides way faster than yeah. anyone else. This time, Leo um, squared the ball. Um, we've yep. seen him taking a few shots recently, quite frustrating. But today, he seemed very mature, Leo. Yeah. Um, he squared it to Tanali, who managed to finish while he was falling over. And this time, it stands. So that's the best time to score a goal, no? Towards the end of the first half. Oh, 100%. Um, Milan went into halftime inspired, and they came out inspired as well. Because in the 49th minute, the exact same move occurred. Um, Salamakers played the ball through to Leo, who received it at the halfway line. Once again, he started gliding his way to the opposing area. Bro, it seemed like he took like... It looked like he took four touches it's and true. he was in the box. Like It's true. His um, long strides, man. His long strides. And he stops and he waits and then he accelerates again. And those bursts of pace, he destroyed Barak. Mm-hmm. Barak was left eating dust. He squared it past Montepon once again to Tonali who tapped it in. Tonali, upon scoring this goal, said that, that he felt... What it means to be a Milanista when he scored yes, that goal. fucking right, fucking right. I have to give props to Salamakers for this goal. He waited mm-hmm. and waited until Leao made his way into his path. He could have easily played it down the right, and perhaps that wouldn't have been that fruitful, mm-hmm. but he waited for the right time. He took it. That is the pre-assist assist. Honestly, the wingers looked very mature this game, and then you pop Kronich in that attacking midfield role. He looked mature too, you oh, know. 100%. We didn't have any of that um, nonsense that yeah. is often Deployed there, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the 86th minute, Florenzi got one, uh, just one minute and 59 seconds um, after entering the fray. Quick one-two with Messias and a venomous strike into the bottom corner. The fastest goal by a substitute for Milan this season. Crazy. I fucking love Florenzi so much, man. He just doesn't appear for a while and then he comes on and, and he does that. His danger is coming down the right, man. And at the moment, I could say that in the second half of the season... I, I somewhat do prefer, I do kind of feel safer having him than Calabria at, at times. Um, Calabria has been very shaky lately. It, yeah. it seems like Lazovic just beat him every time they were one-on-one. It seems like what normally makes Calabria a great player isn't there at, at the yeah. moment. It will take him time to, to overcome. Obviously, he's had quite a few injuries that, that yeah. halt, go, halt, go can't be easy for him. Um, but but yeah, it doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just means that Florenzi has been super this season. Yeah, um, Calabria. While we're on the topic, we might as well discuss this. Was rumored to be on Real Madrid's wish list. Thirty million. Thirty million. Yeah, I believe. Well, you're never gonna make thirty million from him ever. That's straight capital gains. It is because he's a gains. youth player. Um, 
Of but course no, you. like, yeah, <laughs> but, but that's no, the thing. Yeah, no, it's we have no. 30 million. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to sell Calabria. Keep Calabria forever, like. If, if you had to ask me, I, I might share the same sentiment. Of course, from a business point of view, 30 million is irrefutable for Calabria. You, you'd have to be dumb. Let's yeah. be objectively, you have to be dumb to not sell Calabria for 30 million if that offer does arrive. Um, but, you know, he is he embodies everything that Milan's about. Yeah. He understands what it's like. He's the longest-serving player. He came up the youth system. You know, he's been there through the toughest part. He grew up watching the fucking best Milan side ever. Like, you know, 100%. 100%. And I mean, the man deserves another another season. Milan are now hitting certain heights. I think he needs a, another full season with the best Milan side possible to see if he is, you know, worthy of living up to that level. Yeah. He knows the team more than anyone. He knows the club more than anyone. It would just be great to have a long servant in the club like Calabria yeah. is. And quite frankly, you know, um, there's going to be Kalulu fighting for that spot too. Especially so, if Botman signs, yeah. I see Kalulu starting down the right. I don't see any way... Kalulu or Botman get benched next year, particularly Kalulu when he's having the performances he's having. And we've seen him down the right, which is his natural position, to be fair. And he can whip in a deity. He has the pace, <laughs> he has the strength, and he could definitely fill the role at right back, man. For sure. So, as we mentioned before, Tonali, bro, coming in clutch on his birthday. Birthday, boy, um, baby! Prior to Sandrino's brace, of course, the last player to score for Milan on his birthday was Stefan El Sharawi against Genoa back in 2012. How's how's that for a stat? Happy. I, for <laughs> some reason, I think I remember that, man. Probably. El Sharawi I mean, we were, we were definitely Genoa. watching it. Like. No, 100%. 100%. Um, but yeah, like we said, the, the league is kind of weird when yeah. it comes to gifting players on their birthdays. For sure. It's the whole romantic thing. Yeah. Bro. What do you think of Milan's press? Man, Milan's press is a secret weapon, isn't it? It's the reason Milan are winning games, right? It's the strategic pressing. It's not just like, you know, Milan play with a high defensive line and they have two defensive midfielders that are constantly putting pressure on. We're seeing Kalulu, for example, man-marking Caprari, mm. keeping oh, him that out was of the brilliant. game. That Super, that led, that actually led to the, to the, to the second, second goal. goal. Yeah. Um, so it's a strategic press and that is something I adore about Pioli. It's the classic... Mm. Um, Milan-Atalanta well Atalanta-Milan rather in the first half of the season where players were shifting positions when, when pressing to kind to of confuse man-to-man marking exactly so it's a strategic pressing it's no Gagan press of, of any sorts but it's the ah, Pioli it's press it's up there the Pioli press I love that um, we saw Rebic in the last two games forcing errors that led to match winning goals you he's know? a so, fucking good guy to bring on yeah. man to, to maintain sure. a result and to get a result as well he's, he's fantastic and it brings, you know, it brings a tear to my eye when I remember that Milan recently had Suso on the right, Chalanoglu on the left, and Iguain up front. Like, my you know, God, that you remember Chalanoglu playing on, on the, the left, wing? Yeah. That was so weird, man. Who because was down the middle? Who did you say was down the Higuain. middle? Higuain. Higuain. I mean, of course, you know, three good players overall, but you know, for the press, tragic. Yeah, but it's a bit, it's a bit of a random. Kind of front three, yeah. It, it's it's yeah. not like they didn't mould together well not at all. all. It was not three individuals, to say the least. And I remember a Milan fans saying, like, um, imagine Suso feeding Iguain, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing he fed them was of the pig and the burgers. <laughs> Both of them, yeah. towards the end of their career. Remember the, what was it, the thing that everyone spammed Iguain on social media with, be ready, <laughs> or Brady, what was it? <laughs> Was it burger? No, be ready. The Nutella biscuit. Oh, because my it, I, God, I had a how 
dressing room picture holding a packet of, oh, of Be Ready. A fun fact is the Be Ready's were officially launched in Malta for really? Maltese people to try them, see if they worked, mm. and then they launched them worldwide. Obviously, they sent them to the most obese country in Europe, <laughs> and obviously that went down quite well, and they made a name for themselves. Woo. So there's been a lot of talk, bro. Mm-hmm. About Milan's MVP this season. Now, I don't want to spend too long talking about this because uh-huh. I think every podcast has discussed it. Basically, yeah. the debate was between Leao and Manian. Who do you think? I would say that this is obviously, there's no right answer. There could even be a shout for Tonali and there could even be a shout for Tomori. Yeah, sure. Um, in, in, in fact, I'm, I'm leaning a lot towards Tomori. Um, I would say when it comes to a massive improvement, obviously Leao, and then when it comes to bringing someone in the Strictly prey who exceeded... MVP this season. No improvement, no age, no how they were last Mike season. Mike Manian. Mike Manian? Mike Manian, I would say so. I would say that. And, and it... it it's shit that I have to say money because obviously Leao has been insane. He's been incredible mm-hmm. this season. But I would say Manian for the um, overall effect he's had on Milan that is not just his goalkeeping skills. The yeah. fact that he is essentially a quarterback for Milan <clears throat> and he's brought that to Milan's arsenal just make Milan a more dangerous team. You know what, I have to agree with you. You know, um, originally this debate, um, I thought that, you know, you replace... Leao, you're not going to create as many opportunities out of nothing as Milan have this For season. Sure. But then you look at the games that Milan won 1 0. Yeah. You have Mike Manian had like one incredible save in each of those of games, course. you know. So I would have to agree with you that it's Mike Manian. But someone who's going under the radar when it comes to MVP this season is the man who actually gave Milan the lead in the direct encounter against the rivals. You know, I mean, Giroud had that stretch, man. He was massive, you know. I, I don't think there was another player that could have done what he did in those games, man. He stepped up when Milan hadn't been performing at all, man. And he really made the most out of nothing. To this day, that 2-1 victory against Inter with the Giroud Doppietta is the it's, biggest it's the win for Milan this league. And it is what has essentially put Milan in this position. I know you can narrow that to any three points that were gained, but the fact that we got a direct encounter victory over Inter and the full three points and the momentum that Milan carried after that win was monumental, man. For sure, man. Um, Verona wanted to get something out of this game, bro, obviously, um, despite, you know, their European ambitions right now being quite slim, their chances. Mm, Tudor looked um, hype, man. Tudor looked so hype when they took the lead. He looked ecstatic, running off in celebration, pointing Everyone his finger. It was, like, it was like he scored. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, relax, butch, shut the fuck down. <laughs> they were in the first half. <laughs> No disrespect to Tudor, he's a fantastic manager, he's got a bit of a mouth on him, but you know, he shit down, talks a bit, bro, but sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> what a team Verona yeah. are though, man. I, I think out of the touchwood and everything, out of the last three games that Milan have, away to Verona is, at the Bentegodi, probably the toughest, one of the toughest fixtures, if we're talking about current form and everything. If we're talking about current form, definitely toughest fixture left. And the fact that Milan managed to put three past that Verona side is mm-hmm. crazy, man. Crazy. It, it was, um, form-wise, the toughest remaining game. But I can't help but feel just the pressure is just going to keep piling. And I wonder how the players will handle it. No, we'll, 100%. Montepo, shout out to Montepo for uh, Verona. He did get three put past him, but three goals he could have done essentially nothing about. Another couple of fine saves by him. He is molding to be a fantastic goalkeeper, yeah. um, which which obviously, ho- hopefully for Veron, I'll be a long servant over there and he'll keep on improving. 
Yes, bro, and I really hope they can hold on to this group of players because they really have something nice going on there. Um, and before we move on from this, because we often find ourselves spending too long talking about the big games, yeah. um, a company called Redbird are said to be battling it out with Investcorp to buy Milan, bro. So um, these guys are based in America. Of course, the other ones are based in Bahrain. So we'll see We'll see what happens over there. Exactly. It'll, we'll, we'll see if we'll be wearing turbans or we'll be eating hot dogs. It'll <laughs> yeah. be either or. Um, but apparently the well, Redbird seem to have the upper hand at the moment. Yeah, that's what I heard. According to Twitter. That's what I heard. But I think right now, of course, we're not going to know exactly what's going on. It's not going to be made official until the end of the season, of course, for obvious reasons. You know, mm-hmm. right now Milan are in a Scudetto race. Um, there's no need for um, any distractions yeah. whatsoever. For sure. Yep. Um, Milan are currently first with 80 points. My God. They've had the 80 points. Um, while Verona are ninth with 52 points. Obviously, two massive games remaining. We're actually going to be up there next week and hopefully we'll get some vlogging done for you guys. <laughs> you could follow that on Instagram. Excited as ever. And let's see what happens. Now, the rivals, on the other hand, Inter beating Empoli at home, the score of 4-2. So the previous encounter, there were actually two of them this season. And it was in the Serie A, where Inter won 2-0 away from home. And there was also in the Cup, where Inter won 3-2 at home as well. So Inter were coming off a 2-1 away win against Udinese, following their loss to Bologna, so bouncing back nicely over there. Empoli, on the other hand, coming off a 3-1 home loss to Torino. So Inter are unbeaten in their last 14 Serie A meetings with Empoli, winning their last nine, averaging two goals per game. But it was a shock for Inter as Empoli took the lead in the fifth minute through a Pinamonti goal. There was a low cross by Zurkowski, which was perfectly placed between Devry and Skriniar and executed perfectly by an outstretched Pinamonti, who refused to celebrate upon scoring against his parent club. There was then a goal cancelled out for Empoli, I believe it was Zurkowski, who was in an offside position, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the goal didn't stand. But then, in the 23rd minute, there was another VAR call, there were a couple of these in this game, guys, and mm-hmm. um, it was no penalty for Inter, contrary to the referee's original opinion, Parisi's tackle on Barella was a perfect one, what and it tackle? was, in fact... A great tackle reminds me. The commentator got so pissed off when the referee pointed. He was like, That was a good tackle. (laughs) (laughs) It reminded me. Same to me. (laughs) Beautiful tackle, man. It was a beautiful tackle. I could see why, because the referee was positioned behind the player. So he saw the ball flying, but at the end of the day, it could have flown off the inter inter player's legs. Uh, But it was, in fact, a perfect tackle. Nothing nothing wrong with that. In the 28th minute, Empoli made it 2 0. After Fiamozzi launched the ball over the top to Aslani, Aslani controlled it perfectly and finished it below Handanovic. It was his first goal in senior football. 28th minute, Empoli 2-0 up. I even put a bet on Empoli win or draw myself at that point. You know that's why Inter didn't lose this game, eh? Because of your bet? I know, man. Sometimes I think of that, but, you know... I've stopped betting entirely. I've cut it out of my life completely. Really? Yes, I lost the house. My I, won a <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I won a 95 euro bet recently and choo-choo, baby. I stopped simply because of superstitious reasons. Like, it seems like whatever I bet on, the opposite happens. Yeah, I'll, I'll and stop. I used to do it. I used to bet against Milan every time, just so Milan would win. No, like. I, I never bet around <laughs> Milan. I normally never bet around Inter as well, but this time I was like kind of trying to disrespect Inter, but obviously it bit me in the ass. In the 32nd minute, there was another VAR call. It was no penalty for Inter. I'm not going to get into these too much, guys. It was, however, in the 40th minute 
and then that Simone Romagnoli put the ball into the back of his own net. So it was some intricate play by Inter, eventually leading to DeMarco spanking across dangerous into the area, only for it to be turned in by Romagnoli. Poor guy tried to clear it uh, in an outstretched manner and it didn't end well. Yeah, not at all, not at all. It was just after the break in the 45th minute that Lautaro equalized, um, thanks to an assist by Hakan. Barella played the ball forward to Chalanoglu, who squared it into the area, to Lautaro, who struck it with a vengeance into the top corner. Beautiful finish by Lautaro, picking the ball up and running into the center. At this point, it seems evident that Inter are just going to run away with it now. It was then the 64th minute that Lautaro bagged his second. Barella's cross was cleared clumsily into the part of Lautaro by Fiamozzi. Lautaro made no mistake with the finish and went on to celebrate shirtless. He took off his undershirt too, something Tonali hadn't done. Yeah, we should make a list, man. I think it says a lot about their personality if they remove their undershirts or not. Do you think they're better people if they keep their undershirt on? I think they're more... Maybe they're less confident. Or there's less flash, exactly, a bit more humility, perhaps. Exactly, I would agree with you. In the 92nd minute, Zeko hit the post. It was some nice solo work by himself, but his effort was denied by the far post. It was then two minutes later that Zeko assisted for Sanchez. Zeko was in the mood and he was taking his man on like a 54-year-old layout. (laughs) He wiggled his way into the area and squared it to Sanchez. Who tapped it in? So Bro, Inter Zeko was dancing on the ball. Eh? He was, he was, he was, he was feeling it, man. Coming he off was. as a sub, he'd have that energy at least. Uh, he's not a fast player, but obviously he'd have energy. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else would be dead, and he certainly made the most of it. So to start off, I'd ask you, you know, what do you think of this game? Empoli were winning two 0 Inter managed to win four two. So typically, bro, we crucify managers for um, trying to park the bus way too early, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've criticized Spalletti, Mourinho, um, Inzaghi for for these things, you know. Yep. While here, on the other hand, we have to do the opposite. Um, I think Andrea Zoli needs to be criticized for being 2-0 up and still attacking with eight men. Do you want I tell you the difference between Andrea Zoli and, you know, Allegri, Mourinho and Inzaghi? Allegri, mm-hmm. Mourinho and Inzaghi are the managers mm-hmm. of Juve. Roma and Inter. Andrea Zoli is the manager of Empoli. You're winning with Empoli, you put 11 men behind the ball, you put them in the box and you park the bus. If you're Roma, if you're Napoli, you could continue with some firepower, you can hold possession, um, you could move forward, attack is the best form of defense at times, but not for Empoli. For a side like Empoli, park the bus. Of Park course, the fucking man. bus. Like, you know, you know, these guys have a second wave in them. In fact, in the 70th minute, that second wave occurred. You know, Vidal, Zeko, D'Ambrosio, Darmian, Sanchez came on. Like, like you know that they have that at their disposal. Just hang in there, you know. That's what they should have done. That's what they should have done. But obviously, they are not the first team to concede four at the Giuseppe Meazza to enter the season. Yeah. And who knows, maybe they won't even be the last either. Um, Aslani, <clears throat> he seems like hot property at the moment. He's dubbed Definitely. the next Ben Nasser as he was bought from Empoli, of course. First Ricci, now Aslani. Empoli are just excellent at developing players, aren't they, man? For sure, bro. Um, you know, we saw we were all excited about Ricci at the beginning of at the beginning of the season. Um, of course, he went to Torino and he's actually been playing quite well there as of recently. Mm. Um, Aslani emerged out of nowhere and he's been fucking good for them too. And in fact, we heard that Milan were interested at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the new Benasser, perhaps. You know, they've always been a factory for talent. You're right. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the higher-end teams pick him up, maybe a Fiorentina, maybe a Lazio, someone of the sort. But it certainly mm-hmm. seems like he could be a, a good squad player, Aslani. And what about Pinamonti, bro? 13 mm. goals this season. Madonna, 13 goals is crazy yeah. for Empoli, man. It's the same amount as Dzeko has scored for Inter, and Jesus. it's three times the amount that Correa has scored for Inter. Um, do you think he'll stay at Inter next season, Pinamonti? It just depends, because Inter are oversaturated as fuck with their strikers. So let's say, you know, they, they, they've got four at the moment, and they've got four world-class strikers. They've got Correa... World-class. They've got Correa, <laughs> very good, rather. Yeah. Uh, Correa, Zeko, Lautaro, and Sanchez. Obviously, Sanchez will probably be on his way out because of his ma- massive wages mm-hmm. um, and interest finances. So that's one down. Do you think Pedamonte should settle for being third fiddle? I think at his age, it's only natural. Um, he just needs to... He's going to be called upon eventually. He just needs to take those chances, right? I think, I think uh, a transfer to... A smaller big team where he could potentially start would be on the cards for him. Like, imagine a side like Sassuolo, for example, should they lose Skamaka? Or maybe, I don't know, Bologna, if they lose Arnautovic, something like that. A a slightly mid-table team. Perhaps, but I'm not sure Inter would want to lose him, you know? We'll see. It depends on their finances right now. We're talking about a 22-year-old guy over here. A 22-year-old guy who's just scored 13 goals in, in his first season starting and say, yeah, you know what for I mean? For sure, but is the man going to settle for fucking playing third fiddle, man? He'll, he probably I mean, will be third choice, but with the squad you rotation... Can, you can argue, would he, be, would he be settling for Sassuolo when he could be competing to play for Inter? You but know what I mean? normally the way it goes with these players that are progressing is they need a progressive step first before going to, before going to mm. the top, before impressing at Inter. He could do it two ways. He could either uh, fight for his place at Inter, which would be no easy task whatsoever. Um, but this opinion could bite me in the ass if Inter decide to offload a load of strikers because Lautaro is being rumored away. Um, uh, who else? Sanchez is being they rumored have, out as well. So Pinamonti even Dumfries has been, has been rumored to be leaving. But mm-hmm. of course, pinch of salt. Um, I guess what you're saying does make sense if you look at, for example, Petania, who had a very similar season with Spa. Mm. Um, he was their only good point, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Him and Di Francesco back then, they got relegated, in fact. And Lazzari. And Lazzari, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he went to Napoli prematurely, in my opinion. For sure, and, for sure. And then he was, he was fine playing at Atalanta, third. I remember. He, he was, was all right, and that was even earlier. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it, it could be a bit too early or too soon, rather, for Pinamonti to make that step to winter. Maybe another loan deal is on the cards. We'll see what happens over here. Plus, um, as we mentioned, financial issues might cause them to sell, yeah. basically. But we mentioned Lautaro Martinez Friday night, and I like the way you move. Lautaro Martinez. Five goals in six games played on a Friday this season. What is it about the Sesh Gremlin? I don't get it, bro. I guess he's just happy that the weekend's here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> weekend means work for footballers. But... Weekend means blow dryer and hair gel. No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Lautaro has just been massive for Inter this season. Obviously, he has had that slip up in form. But after losing Lukaku... Someone had to step up, and yeah. I feel like he did it at the right times, man. He did, he, he has. He had a dry streak in the middle of the season, but he seems to have overcome it now. Yeah. Um, Inter's mentality, of course, they 
hardly ever seem to slip up. So that Bologna game, Milan really do need to t- take advantage of it, quite frankly. No, oh, 100%. Um, Empoli had nothing to play for this game, of course, bar perhaps revenge for Inter relegating them two or three years ago. I can't quite remember right now, of course, there mm. was that game. We often talk about it because it was a crazy game. Handanovic kept them in it. Empoli were all over them. One of the best um, sides I've seen get relegated. Hey, hey, they had Empoli. Caputo, they had Traore, they had Benasser, they had Krunic. They were stacked with talent. Insane. And of course they they couldn't get it done against Inter And Inter got Champions League and Empoli got relegated that year So revenge was not on the cards for them Exactly Now it was a a very different encounter as Inter also have two matches left They seem somewhat more straightforward than perhaps the Milan games But obviously with Cagliari fighting for relegation And Sampdoria being somewhat in the mix as well Those could get interesting very quick There's also breaking news right now um, That states Inter will play this Sunday's game um, at 3 3 o'clock Whereas Milan play at 6 It was originally scheduled for 8.45 So a bit of weirdness over there But I don't have the details down to a T um, Inter find themselves in second place, two points behind Milan, whereas Empoli find themselves in 14th on 37 points, four ahead of Spezia. The next game we're going to be discussing is Torino nil, Napoli 1. The previous encounter was another 1 nil win for Napoli. Napoli were coming off a 6 1 spanking to Sassuolo, <laughs> while Torino were coming off a 3 1 away victory to Empoli. So, safe to say, both teams came into this game inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, Torino's last win in Serie A against Napoli came back in the March of 2015 in a 1 0 victory thanks to a Camille Glick goal. Um, you might remember him recently playing with Benevento in Serie A. Mm. Um, ah, yeah. No, I remember. In the 61st minute, Insigne missed a penalty. There was a harsh penalty given on it, so, um, but the replay showed that he made just enough contact with Mertens. Um, so harsh, this penalty. Mm. Insigne stuttered. Slowed it down, one of yeah, those really slowed slow it down. down. It looks really mm. bad. Insigne stuttered in the lineup as he usually does. He went left as he typically does. Berisha guessed correctly as they typically do, and he saved it. Um, another missed penalty for Insigne. He had a good run. He had a very good run. So. He was allowed one now, I think. I wouldn't call eight out of twelve a good round. Yeah, I mean he, he got he got his last two or three, I believe. I have a problem with Insignia, bro, I'm gonna say it. Well that he's off to Canada. Oh, it's it's a combination of things, right? I mean you look at a player who whose entire personality was based about being loyal and loving Naples and being from there and wanting to take them to the top, and then the one opportunity he had to actually fucking fight and work for his team. He in January He's rumored to be off to fucking Canada and all of a sudden they were confirmed that he signed the contract and everything, some crazy deal, making millions and millions, whatever. You know how the Napolitans feel about that. So that was already a massive slap in the face. That and the fact that he's only scored, I think, one open play goal this season. Two now. Two? Yeah. <laughs> it's shit. He scored eight penalties out of 12. Like, he's missed quite a few as well. He's not passing, man. When the pass is on, he doesn't pass. He goes for the dribble or the I shot. He's playing he's, selfishly, man. I still think he's instrumental for this Napoli team. I think it can't be underrated how he dictates play down the left. He cuts in. He, he creates a lot of space for his teammates. Um, but yeah, as, as you're saying, I have a bit of a problem with Insignia right now as well because, I mean, yeah, club club captain. You, you confirm that you're leaving in, in January and... You know, his his performances since then, he hasn't been as sharp as he was, for example, last season. He hasn't been contributing as much as he has been last season. We blamed it on the stick he was getting from fans and the situation that he's currently in. But at the end of the day, to be honest, 
he has had a slump, but he is going to be missed by the Napoli faithful. I don't know about that, bro. Um, to be honest with you, they have their legends over there in Naples. They've got their Maradona. They've got their their Mertens. You know, I don't. I think Insigne is going to actually be viewed in that Higuain light. You know, that traitor light. That we could have won the league if you played a little bit better. If you didn't, if you didn't have your head up your ass and in Canada, or whatever. But but we'll see. I guess maybe maybe different opinions. In fact, um, shortly after Insigne was played through and after waiting so long to shoot that the defender caught up to him and blocked it, that, um, you know, Lozano was visibly frustrated. He was wide open, you know, was he man just frustrated, you know, and, and you can't help but feel that it's not just the fans that, that are frustrated with Insigne's form. It's the players around him. They're often like swinging their arms around, flailing them around whenever he's on the mm-hmm. ball, you know? Yeah. Because when he plays bad, he plays badly. Like there's Oh, no, yeah, there, there's no yeah. in-between performance for, for Insigne. He's either spectacular or he's horse shit. Yeah. The winner came in the 73rd minute. Shortly after being subbed on, Pobega casually attempted to flick the ball past Ruiz in midfield. Um, Ruiz read it well, of course, and intercepted it. He drove into the area, firing between Berisha's legs and into the back of the net. It's frustrating, bro, when a lone player that already knows he's going to be at a bigger club the next season <laughs> does something like that, right? It is it is frustrating. Then again, you won't pull this shit off if you try, but there's just time and place to try these things. I guess yeah. Torino have their own little battle within that top 10 region. Um, and yeah, he, he did let his team out. They could have come out with a with a good nil-nil victory to Napoli. Yeah. And he really killed the vibe, quite frankly, because I, I couldn't help but notice how calm Torino fans were prior to the goal, bro. Um, you know, watching it on TV, it was just, it was daytime, it was sunny, the weather yeah. was beautiful, the everyone was smiling, you know, everyone was laughing. They could the have fans, done it. They've been in great form, man, Torino. They could have done it, but yeah. it was it was individual error that lost them this game. Yeah, they and a few lucky calls as well with Insignia fucking up twice as well. True, true. They but these fans, bro, they seem to believe in Juric and they're they're happy with the trajectory of the club. I think they became so cocky after after mm. Berisha saved the penalty. <laughs> they were they were so cocky, bro, smiling and waving at the they're cameras. They're forced to be reckoned with, man. Torino this season. They, they had their slumps. They had a terrible season last season. But they're looking much better now, and, and I think yeah. next, next season, year they're going to be even better. When, when so, Juric yeah. builds the team that that he can, if they give him the liberty to do so, hopefully um, they're going to be, you know, top yeah. eight potentially, top nine potentially. They're going to be good. Napoli pretty much, bro, have secured third place after Juventus faltered against Genoa. Not yeah, a, it's good. a good season for them. Is it though? I, I don't think so. When they found themselves in the situation they were in, they were first for quite a long time. They had a fantastic start to the season. Then they got a bit fucked over with injuries. They seemed like they were going to get out of that well. But then they just slipped up on a couple of occasions. They had yeah. a couple of bad spells throughout. And I think if they reassessed in January, saw what they could do and found out that at the end of the season, they're in the situation that they're in, they'd be very disappointed, man. Maybe I mean, but they you could always have, they have could to have look won at the it league. realistically. They could have won the league. That's true. Um, but you know, for example, Milan could have won the league last season, but qualifying for Champions League was the most important thing, right? And at the end of the season, Milan fans were satisfied. They said, "Look, this was our objective." Granted, it was a plane crash landing. You know what I mean? Like mm. the Cagliari game, then the Atalanta one, whatever. Um, but this time, 
Napoli have qualified for Champions League. That's the reason why Spalletti, Spalletti, mm-hmm. Spalletti was brought on. Of course, um, something Gattuso couldn't do. And for them, this is a step in the right direction. No, a step a in the spine. right direction for sure. And they showed us what they can do. And, and next season, hopefully for them, they could do it more consistently. But but again, I think if you find yourself in a certain situation and then when it comes down to the boiling point, you bottle it once again. Like, all right, this is a new look Napoli with a new manager, new players as well, and Sinia leaving next season Ozyman up front um, yeah I, I still wouldn't call it a totally successful season because their ceiling was not reached and they settled for their minimum goal so to say fair enough fair enough um, okay like <laughs> it's so had a great tackle Last ditch tackle in the area on Ozyman. Um, that's mm. not, these things aren't often mentioned of course in the highlights I thought it would be cool to, yeah. to mention yeah. that it was an animal yeah any other observations from this game by any chance? I mean, the game was was pretty tight. I think Torino showed that they can battle with some of the best teams in the in the league this season, uh, beating Juve. They, they did bits in this game against Napoli. They held Milan as well. Um, 10 shots for them to Napoli's 11, but unfortunately, due to human error, they didn't manage to get away with the victory. Napoli sit in third with 73 points, while Torino find themselves in 10th with 47 points. The next game we're going to be covering is the biggest upset that happened this weekend. Probably it was Juve traveling to Genoa and coming away with nothing. It was Genoa 2, Juve 1. The previous encounter was Juve 2, Genoa 0. And quite frankly, that's the way these games are supposed to go, no bro? Yeah, quite frankly. I mean, when you have teams that aren't as uninspired as Juve are right now. But we'll we'll get down to the, the slander very soon. Exactly. So Genoa are coming off a derby loss to Sampdoria with the score of 1-0, obviously with that heartbreaking 96th minute penalty miss for Cruciato. West Juve are coming off a 2-1 home victory against Venezia, aka Bonucci's birthday bash. <laughs> Happy birthday, baby! So coming into this, Juve had won each of their last five Serie A meetings against Genoa. They last embarked on a longer winning streak against them between 1957 and 1960, where they got seven. So in the 48th minute, Keane dispossessed a defender and played it to Dybala just outside the area. Dybala took a touch and placed it cleanly into the bottom right corner, beating an outstretched Sirigu. Dybala then went for a similar shot, this time with his left, only moments later, to hit the post. In the 68th minute, Zakaria continued to hit the post, while in the 83rd minute there was a VAR check that indicated no penalty for Juve. Now this is where shit went sour for Juve. It was in the 87th minute that Amiri played the ball through to Goodmanson, who took a touch and finished with his right foot. The Icelandic winger had come off the bench. That was quite a nice goal. He took the touch with the outstep of his right foot and shot it with the, with the with laces. The, yeah, 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 exactly. Really great, nice. great finish by, by Goodmanson. Moments later, it looked like Genoa were actually going to take the lead when Rabiot misplaced a pass and Amiri's seeming, seemingly easy goal was denied by Wojciech Szczesny. There was then, moments later, Morata squared the ball to Keane who had an open net but shot wide, a terrible miss for yeah. the Italian man. And then, in the 96th minute, De Chilio fouled Ecoban in the area and bravely... Krishito stepped up to take the penalty. Tell me, is that deja vu? He then stepped up and atoned for his error in the derby della Lanterna as he converted the penalty and ran off in celebration. He took off his shirt, but this time, bro, just make a note over here because he left mm. his undershirt on. So just mm. add that. 
to your no toe. Because they're like a bit flabbier. I don't think so, bro. I think it's just pure instinct to take something off and fucking run. You know what yeah, I mean? It's grateful it's never the shorts, unless you're about it. <laughs> <laughs> but what a moment for Genoa. What a moment for Chris Shitta. What a Romagnoli taking off his shorts. Romagnoli would take off his shorts at any opportunity he got, like. Really? Yes, and just stay. It's a very Italian thing. You remember the 2006 World Cup? They were under tidy white. Ah, I remember that. So I remember weird. that. But as I was saying, what a moment for Genoa, as it seems like they suddenly have a glimmer of hope. What a moment for Cristiano, who was distraught in the last game, and now the way football works is beautiful. Yeah. They lose the Lanterna, but then they beat Juve at home the next the next week. Did Why you- did Juve lose this game, bro? So, okay. Okay, so... I think Juve right now, not I think, it's a fact, right? That Juve right mm. now don't have anything to play for. True. They They're qualified. These three games is... You know, vibes. They don't even yeah. know who their manager is going to be next mm. season. And Allegri is tasked with this infuriating job of keeping his players motivated while knowing that he might not even be at the helm next mm. season. Special players like Dybala, yeah. knowing he's out next season, for example. They're exactly. So there were a lot of lapses in concentration. There are many people who seemed unmotivated, to be mm. honest, and distracted, quite yeah, frankly. They're in the middle of yeah. a lot of bullshit. Like Keane's miss, that wasn't... That's granted it happens, like, but that goes to show that he wasn't focused at the time. Rabio's error in the back of just passing, mm. losing the ball in the box. Amiri's one on one with the goalkeeper. That was a fuck up. Not to mention yeah. Deshilio's clumsy ass tackle at the yep. end. Like these guys are distracted, yep. you know what I mean? One hundred percent. They only had four shots on target. Genoa had fucking six, dude. Yeah. So go goes to show how this game went. Um Vlaovic again just totally isolated. I saw a stat recently that said that in the past two games he managed to take one shot. Yeah. And he basically had to fucking go to hell and back to get that shot. <laughs> he beat three players and it was more of a hallelujah more than anything. Um simply this doesn't seem to be the system for him. I understand that by just having him there as a striker, as a forward, it does make them a better mm-hmm. team. But he is one of the most prolific goal scorers in the league. Please play him in like Yeah. He costs thirty million more than Holland, bro. That's fucking nuts. Like when you think well, <laughs> well I'm not I'm not denying Vlaovic's ability. I'm just saying Holland is not a sixty million yeah. football player. Like. Holland is a generational talent, right? Exactly. But exactly. Anyway. I think, bro, from this Juve team, if there, there is a positive about it. So, first of all, watch how tomorrow's game, Wednesday's game, sorry, against um, Inter, the final. Yeah, it's probably going to be a completely be, different Juve. Yeah, completely different. Probably when you're listening, it will be today's game. Yeah. But like Jake said, yeah, it will be it will be a different Juve, man. For sure, they rise to these occasions as fuck. Right. Um, going into this game, mm. Miretti, bro, he's been playing really well, right? This yep. 18-year-old midfielder. Yep. Um, there, I saw a hot take on Twitter. Someone said that if Locatelli isn't fit, then Miretti should start in the final against Inter, basically over Arthur. Mm. What do you think? Potentially, man. Potentially. He he has come in. He's, he's shown um, great positional awareness. He's playing the ball around nicely. He's stepping up to take set pieces. Um, and I think as a direct replacement for Locatelli, he makes sense as a player. And I he think does. he brings a breath of, of fresh air to Juve rather than Arthur, who is a lateral passing yeah. king. He, Miretti is not shy to pass the ball forward. He passes He's the ball not. forward loads. He's way more of a positive player in the midfield than Arthur. Obviously, Miretti still has a lot to learn. But that raw talent in Juve's team in the midfield is a nice breath of fresh air, man. 
Yeah, the question is, is it wise deploying someone like that in a final, an 18-year-old, where the pressure is so high, the stakes are so high, and you're against Inter, like it could be a make-or-break moment, you know? It is a make-or-break moment, and, and in these situations, Allegri must have a higher football IQ than us, so... <laughs> and he just, knows him, he actually knows his character. Like. Exactly, I don't know what he's like in the dressing room, I don't know if he's a leader, but it seems like... He's not bad under pressure. He's playing, mm. like you said, for a weird Juve team at the moment. And he's been doing well, man. And congratulating him maybe with, with a performance in the final, with starting in the final, then maybe bringing on Arthur later on might be a good shout, man. Yeah. I wouldn't bet that Allegri starts him in the final. I wouldn't bet so either. He'll go for Arthur. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll use the mentality of, yep, this is the only thing we're playing for this <laughs> season. Um, might as well deploy my most experienced players, players that have proven themselves, and then he'll end up choosing Arthur, yeah. I'm quite sure. Yeah, most most likely. Um, Genoa, bro, of course, they refuse to die, right? Um, yeah. Cremonese and Lecce have been promoted to Serie A. By the way, we should make a post about that. Yeah. Um, but it's still unknown which of these Serie A teams will face relegation. That's crazy, right? Yeah, not a single team has been relegated yet. Um, next weekend, we'll see... Perhaps Some Venezia perhaps, yeah. Venezia perhaps could have Venezia. Got, could have been the ver- first ones to get relegated, but they scored the last minute winner. Like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Man, crazy league this year. Just yeah. everything is beautiful this year. Um, what's this about Debal apparently preferring Milan to Inter? Who said this shit? Il Giornale, it's uh, an Italian newspaper. Of course, they said that Debala would prefer a move to Milan over Inter. Um, the question is, you know, would Milan prefer a move for the Bala to them than to Inter? I mean, it's a question you need to ask Maldini. The, prob- the answer is probably a resounding no. He just doesn't seem to fit what Milan are trying to do at all. But he's free, man. He's fucking free, eh, dog? And, but- and I mean, Milan have bought older players. They've bought older players with a similar salary. Yes, like experience Zlatan, in know, the league as well. His, his wages yeah. are quite fucking crazy, though, no, aren't they? They are, yes. Um, is it 9 million a season? Something, He's on something, something like crazy. that, bro. Um, personally, uh, you know how I feel about Dybala. You know how yep. I, I don't like the fact that you can't get a full season out of him. Mm-hmm. You can't rely on him for, for stretches of the season. He is but then he's so good, man. <laughs> he's so good then. He is. He, he really is really, is, really he good. Is. Like, who's been doing shit for Juve in the past couple of games? Him, Dybala. It's true. The ball has been performing. So it's it's one of those that probably right now I'll say, ah, there are better options out there, even if Milan need to invest some money short term and then save in wages. Um, but then again, if Milan were linked to him and he was close to signing, I'll be excited to watch yeah. him put on the kit and, and perform. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, quite frankly, you'd have to be a bit of a doofus to, to say no to the ball on a free. Exactly, anyway. exactly. Morata posted a picture of Quadrado on his story, bro. Do you know who else was in it, man? No. Kellini and his monkey dick, bro, again. <laughs> this is the second time Kellini's has been changing at work and he's naked on the internet. Seriously, there was another one. There was another what one. The fuck, guys, be careful. Okolta, Kellini just fucking getting naked. He's at work, he's just changing. I don't get fucking naked at work. Okay? <laughs> You're not an athlete. <laughs> How weird, you have the photo. <laughs> I do, I do. It's probably been taken down of everywhere, like. I highly doubt it. 
Um, on Twitter, man, on you'll Twitter, find it for it, sure. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm gonna let you know where where these teams stand while Drake looks for Kellini's monkey dick, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so you are in fourth on 69 points. They're four points. It was actually Bonucci's monkey dick. It was, it was Bonucci's yeah. monkey dick. Now all we need is Barzali's, and we have completed the BBC. Right? <laughs> <laughs> three monkey dicks. So, as I was saying before you rudely interrupted, Juve are fourth on 69 points. They're four behind Napoli and seven ahead of Lazio in fifth. Whilst Genoa are on 28 points in 19th, two points from safety, three ahead of Venezia. The next game we're going to be covering is Lazio 2, Sampdoria 0. The reverse fixture was a 3-1 away victory for Lazio. Lazio were coming off that mental 4-3 victory against Spezia, while Sampdoria were coming off their Derby della Lanterna victory, thanks to a penalty save by Audero and Cresciuto at the end, as we discussed literally five minutes ago. Lazio have only failed to find the net in one of their last two Serie meetings with Sampdoria, losing only two of those games, bro. The last Sampdoria Serie win at the Olimpico against Lazio came back in 2005. Jesus. So the game kicked off, of course, and it was in the 41st minute that Patrick managed to score thanks to a lovely Luis Alberto free kick. Um, it's funny to see Patrick, you know, he ran between two defenders and was next to Omar Colley when he scored the goal. But, you know, the two defenders who were at fault here pointed to Colley and they, they kind of threw him under the bus when in reality it was their fault. You know, they lost their man. Yeah, it, it was miscommunication in the, in the defense. I don't think it's fair to just blame Colley yeah. for that one. It's so funny seeing them pointing their fingers and flailing their arms <laughs> when he just ran past them. Like. In the 59th minute, um, Lazio tore Sampdoria a new one. Lazzari intercepted the post and burst past Augello and two midfielders. He played the ball to Luis Alberto, who took it round the goalkeeper, paused it and tapped it into the back of the net. Paused it. He paused and tapped it into the back of the net. Um, it was a fucking great goal by the wizard himself, bro. Yeah, it was um, mesmerizing man. composure, right? Even even when he was completely stopped and he had the, all those bodies around him, just calmly tapped yeah. it into the back of the net between a couple of players as well. He's just magic when he's on this guy, man. Yeah, not not many... bad to have him and Milinkovic Savic in your midfield. Not bad at all, quite frankly. Um, in the 90th minute, Quagliarella hit the post. Um, Macross came in and he found himself perfectly placed right in front of the goalkeeper as he kicked the ball into the post very uncharacteristically. Yep, well, he hasn't had the best of seasons, Quagliarella. There was a shout that maybe he's not being found. And if he's being found, he's going to score. He was found here and unfortunately he didn't manage to hit the back of the net. Yeah, <clears throat> it's always nice to see players who don't often score, eh, bro? When eventually, when they score, uh, with Patrick, eh? Yeah, sprinting, screaming, tapping the Lazio badge, you know, crazy yeah. scenes. It means a lot to them, man. This shit is literally their life, and for Patrick to come in, I mean, I think even we talked some smack about oh, is Patrick in your starting eleven? Yeah. You know, for like, one hundred and twenty games. Yeah, and and he he got a goal and he celebrated like it it meant the world to him. So happy for him and happy for Lazio. Yeah, um, Sampdoria this game, bro, showed some good fight. No, they were attacking early on. They forced the goalkeeper into a few saves. Um, but it wasn't enough to get anything over here. Lazio basically won due to a training ground routine and a moment of magic by Luis Alberto, right? Uh, that's, that's what it is. I mean, Lazio are a well-versed side under Maurizio Sarri. They, they have a couple of 
of moves up their sleeves. Um, aside from that, they have some magical players, like we mentioned Milinkovic Savic, we mentioned Luis Alberto, there's obviously Chiro and Mobile, Philippe Anderson on his day. Um, so they definitely have a couple of tools that could that could hurt teams. In this case, obviously, facing a Sampdoria side, we didn't expect any different. Even a 2 0 victory was, in fact, correct score for me. So, yeah, just a bit of a flex over there for you. <laughs> Thanks, bro. My pleasure. Which was better this season, Sampdoria under Daversa or Sampdoria under Giampaolo? Um. I think they were both shit, to be honest. I think Samp under Daversa had some good moments, some very rare good moments. And under Gianpaolo, some rare good moments, <laughs> to be honest. I would say I think Daversa edges it ever so slightly, but it's because he had more time than Gianpaolo. I think Gianpaolo still has a lot of work to yeah. do and he needs a transfer market. And all that. Of course, we're not talking about Gianpaolo's first stint, guys. Um, that stint was obviously, objectively, the better one we're talking yeah. about this season. Um, and quite frankly, I do think that they were slightly... They look better under Gianpaolo. They look better mm. under Gianpaolo when it comes to the way they play. Mm. Uh, but I'm not sure if the results have been better. I'd like to see a stat, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to look back and see, <coughs> you know, who, who has fared better over there. But, Kandreva's but I think- looked worse. That's what I was about to say. I was going to say, I think Daversa managed to get more out of his players, whereas Gianpaolo get, gets more from his system. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't allow individual brilliance. He also has Sensi, which Daversa mm. didn't have. True. Um, Sabiri has been making appearances as well. He wasn't really under, under Daversa. Um, so Gianpaolo has added like a, a breath of fresh air, but at what cost? When you lose a player like Kandreva contributing so much, your best player, arguably, well, definitely, um, clearly something's wrong over there. So Lazio currently stand in fifth with 62 points, while Sampdoria are in 15th with 33 points. It seemed bizarre to me that we covered Lazio against Sampdoria before we covered Fiorentina Roma, but obviously we do this um, in order of the standings. This game was Fiorentina 2, Roma 0 on a Monday night. So the previous encounter was Roma 3, Fiorentina 1, so they are now level on aggregate. So Roma were coming off a 0-0 home draw to Bologna and a 1-0 home win to Leicester midweek to reach the Conference League final. We saw Mourinho in tears and some beautiful moments for the city of Rome. Fiorentina coming off a 1-0 home loss to Milan, which, you know, they played the best team in the league, so that was going to (laughs) happen. Roma had won each of their last five Serie A matches against Fiorentina and could become the first team to win against the Viola in six matches in a row in the competition since Milan in 2008 and 2011 with seven. Obviously, this did not happen as Fiorentina got away with a 2-0 victory. This was a massive match in the context of Europa League qualification, but unfortunately for Roma, they just failed to show up. To be fair to them, there was a weird call instantly in the fifth minute as Guida possibly awarded the softest penalty of the season, in my opinion. Um, No penalty whatsoever. Mancini with the slightest of contact on Nico Gonzalez on the line of the area. It looked way worse slowed down. Honestly, guys, he... 
tapped his shin but with honestly, his toe. Even even slowed down. It didn't even look that bad. Hey, I'm so man. surprised he gave. Hey. Um, apparently, Bunty was in the VAR room, and he was the one who pushed okay. for it to be given. Okay. The Bantisaurus Rex. In fact, uh, Mourinho had a lot to say about him. I'm sure. We'll, we'll get to that. I'm sure. It was on the line, and according to the rule book of penalties, that is a penalty. Um, Patricia ended up diving way too early as Gonzalez simply went the other way. It was Gonzalez who won it, and Gonzalez who stepped up and converted. It was just six minutes later in the 11th that Bonaventura made it too. It was pretty much a solo goal, even though it is listed as a Cabral assist. Bonaventura pretty much set it up himself with all the touches that he took. Zalewski just defended poorly, in my opinion. He was looking to defend the overlapping run instead of the man on the ball. It's in the fucking, you know, rule 101 of being a defender. Um, it's it's just that's what you get no when you play when you play these youngsters these young players that's why in yeah. Italy they're so despised you know when it comes to making a decision sometimes yeah they're it's, a bit slow and they're you know they're either gonna give you a world class assist in the in Europe like Zalewski did that has like all media talking about you including mm. the English media you know which is so um, typically harsh on Italian teams mm. so when they're praising a player it's always good. Um, or else you're going to get an amateur mistake like this This was a rookie mistake You know, I mean, you have Bonaventura running towards goal And you're just going to mark the overlapping and backing run up and backing up. He gave him so much time to tee up the shot And have it with his left perfectly Placing it into the bottom corner That was all Zalewski's fault It was, it was totally Zalewski's fault But probably, knowing him, he will learn from it And he will be bigger um, Later on, there was a disallowed goal for Bonaventura There was an offside in the build-up play Obviously, that would have been his second um, bro, I mean, from the get-go, it just seemed like Fiorentina's game, and it wasn't even because Fiorentina were outstanding. I think Roma looked uninspired, they looked out of ideas, and they normally thrive from set pieces. Just seems like they didn't really get set pieces. Veretout mm. seemed to be imposing himself a lot of all people um, in this game, tr- trying to make something happen while Zaniolo wasn't at the races, Tammy Abraham wasn't at the races, Pellegrini wasn't at the races. What did yeah. you make of this? So Mourinho started 10 players who had featured on Thursday against Leicester. Mm. Um, Mourinho said that the Leicester game on Thursday was physically and mentally exhausting. Of I course, mean, it's a European course, semi-final, right? Of course. He's right. Um, about the penalty call, Mourinho was furious, you know what I mean? He said... The, the game was decided by that penalty And I actually think that Mourinho does make quite a few excuses typically But this time I can't help but agree with him bro He said that um, the game plan coming into this game for Roma Was to control and dictate the tempo at a slower pace Due to the fact that they were exhausted mm-hmm. Right Now when something goes against you like that You know the injustice You can't help but feel fucking robbed You know what I of mean Of course so, man So you're suddenly You know you're, you're tired you're 1-0 down, you have to run more, you know, suddenly, because they're just going to sit back and they're just going to hold the ball and pass it around and you have to fucking press and win the ball back and attack mm-hmm. and actually do something with it. Um, I found the quote quite funny, bro. What um, did he say? He said, um, Guida had a good game, he said, the referee, of course. Mm. He said, but that Mr. Bunty from Livorno made a decision. <laughs> <laughs> he said it like three times, Mr. Bunty from Livorno. <laughs> kind of like an I know where you live, I know who you are, <laughs> I am exposing name? the fuck out of you. 
What a dig that is. No, but like like you're saying, uh, the the decision was weird, and obviously that set the tempo in the game and really caught Roma off guard. And in fact, six minutes later, bro, a human error, and then by an inexperienced left back that has been performing so well. But you know, played on Thursday, played again on Monday. Um, he's been relied on a lot, obviously, because of Spina's injury, and it led to him making a rookie mistake, really. So, in 11 minutes, Roma were down bad because of a bad decision by the referee, well, by the VAR room, and a bad decision, again, by their left-back. So, yeah, you don't blame Roma for being pissed off about this man. Yeah, even though they never reacted. Granted, maybe because they were tired, whatever, but it's true, they never reacted, huh? Yeah, they, they never reacted, but as well, you have to praise Fiorentina for their capabilities off the ball. Mm-hmm. If there is a side that can keep their shape, if there is a, a side that can adapt to situations, it's, it's Italianos Fiorentina. They're, they're great yeah. at defending off the ball, man. Totally, Unless bro. they're playing Udinese. <laughs> <laughs> they're dark horse. <laughs> exactly. Um, fucking Tammy Abraham had a bad miss at the end of the game, bro. I don't know if you saw it, but that pretty much summed up that Roma display. Oh, right in front man. of the keeper with his header, mm-hmm. he misses it. Mm-hmm. Um, Pellegrini had a free kick. Yeah, at, 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 forced, at one that was their only shot on target. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but, but at least, you know, I, I would like to see, yeah, I would like to see Roma break into fifth. Because I'd much rather have, as a culture fan, I would much rather have them than Lazio in that position when it comes to, uh, you know, club history and and all of that. I prefer Roma as a club. Mm. Um, now, this is me making claim on a, on a neutral podcast, but I do prefer Roma as a, as a historic club rather than Lazio. Neutral podcast. Controversial. <laughs> um, but it is going to be nice. Seeing Fiorentina in Europe again, should they make it? And I this was a massive step in the right direction yes. for them. And hopefully they bring Nintendo back as a sponsor, baby. Let's 100%. run it back. Let's run it back. <laughs> um, as you mentioned, bro, I'd just like to talk again. The, the conference league scenes for Roma were incredible. You know, you, you mentioned Mourinho crying. There's the anthem, bro, the, the T4, you know, the Roma, Roma. It's I was lucky unmatched. enough. You Even you were lucky enough saw, to, to witness a packed stadium singing that. Like. I watched Roma destroy Juventus 3-1. Madonna. Salah, De Rossi. And my god, you watched the Rossi And Nangolan scored. My god. Oh yeah. my god, that was that was peak Roma. It man. was Totti came was on at the Roma. end. It was Paletti as manager, Totti came on at the end. And Lemina scored for Juve. Yes. He danced Lemina. in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> there was Rudiger as Rudiger well. Rudiger was for, there for Roma. Roma yeah. Manolas. Manolas, the Greek god in Rome. Yeah. I watched uh, an interview with Peter Drury about that. He said yeah. like he had to win himself some time because he didn't know who scored. Oh my god. When it happened. So he just said Roma have risen from the ruins because he had that listed. He's like, who the fuck scored? He's like, Manolas! He's fucking Greek. <laughs> god in Rome. That's incredible. <laughs> Peter Drury is fantastic. Recently He's I saw a, poet a TikTok. And he knows it. I saw a TikTok about his day to day. I'd like to see more I content. I saw that, him. but but it, it's weird because it's with his wife. It's like shared with his wife, and it's a, it's like a cooking and commentary thing. I didn't see. That. I don't know. I, I might be confusing it with another one. Anyway. Um, yeah, but would it be a successful season for Roma if they win the Conference League? Maybe. Let's say they come in sixth. I mean, Roma and trophies don't often go hand in hand. So any silverware for them is a success at any point in their, in their history, to be honest. And what do you anticipate for them next season under Mourinho? Better, they'll be better. They'll learn the Mourinho way. Yeah, 
Yeah, so there'll be more that they need a good second preseason yeah. under him. Like. He needs to get a few of those Mourinho players that we often talk about over here. Those players with balls, you know, those players who will die on the pitch. Like, yeah, that, oh, he would have been so good with De Rossi and Nainggolan and the team. Oof. Come to come to think of it, um, but I think we can conclude this. Obviously. We didn't really praise Fiorentina much, but obviously a great result for them. They got the two goals no matter how they came. They managed to hang on to that and they stopped Roma from scoring, which is not an easy task at all. They're currently tied on points with Roma in sixth and Fiorentina in seventh, both on 59. The only difference being four goals in favor of Roma. The next game we're going to be covering is Spezia 1, Atalanta 3. The reverse fixture was a 5-2 victory for Atalanta. Spezia, of course, were coming off that 4-3 home loss to Lazio, while Atalanta were coming off... uh, I'm not even going to call it disappointing because of the rate Salernitana are going, but a 1-1 home draw to Salernitana. And the rate Atalanta are going as well. The only previous home match for Spezia against Atalanta was the 0-0 draw back in 2020. Jesus. Now, in the 13th minute, Bastoni struck the post. There was a shot from a tight angle that was saved onto the post. In the 16th minute, Muriel turned it on. He did the thing where he kind of walks the ball into the box and just passes it in and like no one seems to stop him. You know, everyone's like, where's he going to go? Where's he? But he's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? The whole mm. phenomenal thing. Yeah. In the 30th minute, there was a perfectly weighted through ball by Maggiore, which broke Verde free. Verde took it in front of the goalkeeper and beat him with some trickery, slotting it home. Now, this is where things started to get a little bit unfortunate for, for Spezia because in the 53rd minute, Bastoni went down injured mm. and in the 67th minute, Agudelo went down injured. Mm. And when they were down to 10 men, you know, before they had actually changed the player, they conceded. Um, a cross, a free kick, sorry, a free kick cross by Coop Miners found Demiral at the far post who headed it to Jim City who headed it home. Atalanta often do this, no? Cross to a centre-back who crosses it to yeah, a centre-back yeah, who yeah. scores. It, it's the, the balls yeah. to the far post squared into the mm. middle on the head, one of their big cunts, and then, and then just headed in. Literally. In the 81st minute, Boga hit the post from just outside the area. He struck the crossbar. It would have been a fantastic goal. And then in the 87th minute, upon receiving the ball in the area, Muriel looked as though he was going to curl it, pulling all the defenders towards him. and said he released it to Pasalic, who finished it expertly into the bottom right corner. So, bro, what did you make of this game? Um, I think... Spezia put up a good fight and they were very unfortunate to go down 2-1 the way that they did initially and after that they they kind of crumbled and there's not much they could have done to stop Muriel and Pasalic who were just on a on a on a right. Um they were unlucky. However, Atalanta's firepower doesn't allow you to be unlucky and quite frankly they they're, they're going to capitalize from it. They are, they are. Um, the typical Atalanta that we all know that will show up yeah. against Milan on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, they show up against the Spets, as you know what I mean. Yeah, what, they what they I said dismantle week, them. Yeah. What I said last week is that they show up in games like this. So it was, it really had a lot to say about Salernitana holding them. Because in situations like this, Atalanta score three, they score four, they go on yeah. a riot. Do you think Spezia, the likes of Spezia and Sampdoria are in danger, bro, at the bottom of the table right now, considering the form of Genoa and Salernitana? <laughs> like, we've seen teams get relegated with 33 points before, and they're both on 33. They are in danger. They are in danger, straight up. There are two games left to play. There's potential of six points to pick up. They are straight up in danger. It'll be very odd 
to see Cagliari, for example, pick up six points or Genoa yeah. pick up six points, that'll see Sampdoria or Spezia relegated. And it would need to take something like that. So they're probably fine. Yeah. But you can never say this league has been so unpredictable. I mean, Salah and Etan are out of the relegation zone. Like, yeah. that's how unpredictable it's been. Yeah, they were da- dead and buried, bro. Yeah. So Down I'm not going to. If everyone had them out, like. We gave our fucking bottom three so many times and it was Venezia surviving and Spezia going down and Salernitana always last and it was now Genoa and Cagliari it. and Genoa yeah. and Cagliari. Now we understand why it was so hard, bro, because none of these guys want to get relegated. So <laughs> exactly. like two games ago, we have no idea exactly. who's going down, not even one team. Crazy. I love this league. I love it so much. Um... Okay, I think we can conclude this game, bro. Um, Atalanta, of course, keep pushing. They remain relevant with um, Fiorentina and with Lazio and Roma, too. That's that. Um, while Spezia, of course, are in 16th with 33 points. Yes, sir. The next game we're going to be covering is the tight encounter between Sassuolo and Udinese in the Mape that ended 1-1. The previous encounter in Udine was a win for Udinese with the score of 3-2. Sassuolo are coming off a 6-1 loss in Naples. While Udinese were coming off a 2-1 home loss to Inter. Sassuolo haven't won any of their last eight Serie A games against Udinese now. Their longest ongoing winless streak against a single opponent in the top flight. Udinese just do this. They just turn into people's bogey teams. Yeah. Um, I have a note here that says that Choffi makes Dionisi look like a smurf. (laughs) Do you care to elaborate on that one, bro? <laughs> so I wrote this because mm. um, I, I saw them shaking hands at the beginning of the game. And, and Shofi is massive compared to Dionisi. Dionisi mm. looked like a, a weird smurf with like a, like a what do you call it? The vest? We used to call it a tank yeah, top yeah, at St. Martin's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Oh, of course, uh, we call it a tank top, tank top at St. Martin's. In the foyer. In <laughs> <laughs> the foyer. <laughs> Oh my god, the, the piazzetta as well. Where shall we have lunch today? In the four year or the piazzetta? <laughs> Ma, fuck that. In the sixth minute, Scamacca opened the scoring, so Raspadori twisted and turned inside the area and squared it to Scammy, who tapped it in. Some brilliant work by Raspadori. And again, it's those two up front when it's not them two, it's Junior Traore. There just always seems something to be going on for Sassuolo unless they're playing Napoli. In the 77th minute, this was weird because I didn't realize that it was a goal. There was yeah, like no, there was reaction no reaction whatsoever. Right? And you see a player of Udinese even put his hands to his head. Mm. <laughs> so Nuitink managed to tap in a rebound after Soppy's shot. And he just kind of accepted that it wasn't a goal. He maybe thought it was yeah. an offside position or something of the sort, but the goal stood and should have been seen, to be honest, because it's a 77th yeah. minute equalizer for Udinese against Sassuolo. Yeah, once so, again, nothing really to play for right for these guys. Yeah, true, true. So, when it comes to the talking points, firstly, was there someone that edged it, in your opinion, someone that deserved three points, or was one point shared fair? So, I think that this game was fucking, it was really tight, but when it came to actually possession control, it was Sassuolo who edged it. Mm. Uh, And they didn't even edge it, they had 60% ball possession. Like I think they overall played better. but then, however, Consili did keep them in it um, for some time. And to be honest, same thing could be said about Silvestri because both teams were just trying to get the best, better of each other and none of them quite managed. And once again, maybe they didn't have that extra motivation yeah. to go the, the whole way. But um, yeah, who would you rather have in goal, bro? Consili or Silvestri? Um, excluding age? Excluding age, yeah. Consili. 
exclude Consigli. I think he's fantastic, man, that guy. I think um, Di Silvestri is a good shot stopper. Yeah, Silvestri, Silvestri. What, what did I say? Di Silvestri. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think Silvestri is a great shot stopper, but sometimes you can question um, the way he controls his box, how he comes out for a cross, when he comes out and when he doesn't. I think... It's unfair not to mention Aja, because Consigli is way more experienced, yeah, which, is, which points me to, to choose Consigli. Um, I'd love to see how Consigli was at 31. Well, it's, it's just four years ago, to be yeah. honest. I would still take Consigli. I would take Consigli. I would disagree with you and say I'd take Silvestri wow. simply because of the, the confidence on the guy. Mm. I think he actually does control his area quite well. Quite well, okay. relatively well. Okay, not as well as Consigli. Not as well as Consigli, no. Um, but okay. but to be honest, we've seen Consigli run out quite badly mm. this season as well. Mm. We saw it at the Mape in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he gave away a penalty, no? Had he? Yeah, I, yes. He fouled yeah, Zerko. Yes, exactly. Um, but anyway, Silvestri, I just love his the fact that he trash talks. He's a bullshit shit house yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? He's, and he does pull off amazing saves. Um, yeah, bro. I sorry, him. I seem a bit lost. I'm just trying to think of the centre back's name because you know how we say that Consigli doesn't get called for Italy because he wanks in the showers <laughs> in the dressing <laughs> yeah. rooms. Yeah. I heard that Juninho is now the manager of Lyon, mm-hmm. and he was frustrated with a player. And then in the dressing room, apparently this player, he's a centre-back, he, he's, he's a big centre-back, something with an M. Can you find out, please? Sure. Um, he got dropped. The last straw was when he farted in the dressing room and him and his teammates were all laughing and Juninho fired him like. Oh my God. Was it any of the Diomande? No, no. It's, I think it's with an M, dude. With an M? Marcelo, Marcelo, Marcelo. Marcelo. So you're That's telling me Marcelo farted in the dressing room and Juninho fired him? Yes. yes <laughs> it is exactly what happens with Consigli and his wanking in the shower. I am sure of it, bro. It has to be. How it else would he have never else. been called up? <laughs> exactly. But anyway, bro. Um, again, like, you know, we saw this Erling Haaland deal go through. 60 million, right? Uh-huh. The city. That really, like, makes me question Fratesi 40 million. Scamacca 40 million. Well, the, the, that's, it's, such a, it's such an odd occurrence, though, eh? A player like Haaland leaving for 60 it million. Is, that is, is, you know, I look at everyone else and consider them stupid for not even stepping in and trying. Like, because 60 million for Haaland is a steal. Um... Fratesi is not worth 40 million. No, I um, wouldn't in spend today, 40 Not even in today's market. In yeah. today's market, I'd say his height would be 20k. Um, especially last summer, joining Sassuolo. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't see him um, for 40 million at all. Um, Realistically, I'd, I'd say Scamacca maybe is worth Scamacca. the 30 million. But even that's a bit steep. Scamacca. He's not done it for... He's done it for Scamacca a season and will go for more than 30 million. Scamacca yeah. will go for 40, I would mm-hmm. say. I think 40 million is, is the asking price for, for Scamacca. Yeah. Um, Berardi, I would say, is somewhere in the 30, million 30 region. 35 yeah. million region. Um, Raspadori is probably in the 20 region, yeah. I would say. And Junior Traore, and then he'll be higher up. I think he'd be in the 30s. In the 30s. In the right now. So something like that. He has a bit more experience. And then, so then the Prem, he could go for 50 million. Have the Prem, where to go for Junior Traore that <laughs> spent 50 million. They might spend 50 million, any of these guys. Yeah. Um, many, many, many wasted opportunities this game, as we discussed before. Ihan at the end of the game, bro, received the ball from a from a corner and mm. volleyed it like he just went for power and he blasted it over the crossbar like he could have easily scored that I think if, mm. he, if he took it yeah, a little bit easy I don't remember easy, it was it easy. like was it close at least it was, no bro he skied it like, oh, okay. he skied it and All he was right. I mean he was really close to the goal so mm. it couldn't have gone too far higher, ah right? okay 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 okay. I know the one I know yeah. the one Um, 
so yeah, there there were there were a lot of chances missed for Sassuolo. I think I agree with you um, when you said that they they probably were the better side in this game. Um, I think, but however, like you said, it's two teams with nothing left to play except for them to prove that they are the better team yeah. over the other team, particularly a team like Udinese and Sassuolo that both want to prove it. Um, other than that, it's players trying to get a, a good move away for the summer. Um, it did end up in a 1-1 draw. I don't think there's too much to add about this game. Sassuolo find themselves in 11th. They are now under Torino on 47 points. And they are five points behind Verona, whilst Udinese are just three points behind them in 12th. The next game that I am fortunate enough to be um, presenting to Mm. you um, is Venezia 4, Bologna 3. And what a game this was, guys. It was definitely the game of the weekend. The reverse fixture resulted in a Venezia 1-0 away victory to Bologna. So Venezia have actually done the double over Bologna this year. Um, Venezia were coming Jesus. off a 2-1 away loss to Salernitana, while Bologna were coming off a 0-0 draw away to Roma. The first Venezia double in the top flight against Bologna since 1942, by the In way. the midst of a war, dude. Yes, sir. Um, a loss here would have officially relegated Venezia, and they looked down and out for a while, this game. You there know, are well, some they got teams. This, this is what we were discussing last time, whether you'd rather play a team that have nothing to play for or a team that yeah. needs something, basically. This was that case, man, it's and true. Venezia, wow, like, eh, eh. wow. It all started goals. in the fourth minute when Maempa launched the ball over the top to Henri, who hit it first time, chipping it right over the goalkeeper and running off in celebration, 1-0 Venezia. And then in the 19th minute, Hops was stripped by Skorupski. Kian took the penalty. It was saved by Skorupski, who guessed correctly, but the volley on the rebound was calm. And uh, that was his first ever Serie A goal, quite frankly. Oh my god! Yeah, it was a good a good take on the rebound. To be honest, he did quite poorly on the penalty, but scoring the rebound was was of, of yeah. He, follow, he followed up well. Like if you miss a penalty, best case scenario is you get the rebound and he yeah. got it. So so good on him. In the thirty fourth minute, there was a tactical change. Orsolini was introduced for Arthur Theat, and then in the forty. Seventh minute in the first half, a perfect ball by Barrow from the left onto the head of Orsolini was the reason that they actually managed to get one back. So it was a good change, change. good change by Mihailovic, who was there in the flesh. Lovely to see seeing him him over there. Lovely seeing him smiling like he's such such a guy. Like in the fifty-fifth minute, Arnautovic, of course, who else managed to get one back? Another perfect ball by Barrow to De Silvestri, who squared it with his head to Arnautovic, who tapped it in. So at this point, they're two-two, and Venezia thinking, "Oh fuck, we're slipping." And then in the 68th minute, it was Jeremy Shouten who received the ball just outside the area and took a few slick, cool touches Ooh, before so shooting sexy. the ball over Mayampa and into the net. He practically chipped him that with is that a shot. That a sexy goal, bro. It was. Everything I, about it, the footwork to the finish, insane. Quite like. possibly the goal of the week. The goal of the week, for sure. Definitely mm. the goal of the week, I would say. And then in the 78th minute, Medel clumsily kicked Aramo <laughs> inside the box. Like, no no provocation, nothing. Like, he yeah. just kicked him. Um, Aramo sent the keeper the wrong way, trademark penalty and trademark celebration by Mattia Aramo. Yep. And then while Venezia looked down and out, of course, Dennis Jonsson scored his first goal of the season. What a goal it was, bro. Just listen to the commentator. Maurice Karupski denies Ari. Jonsson! Jonsson scored an absolute wonderful goal! I don't believe what I'm seeing! I think the fact that that commentator has that voice when he shows energy <laughs> is the best so thing funny. to his arsenal. Dennis Jonsson! <laughs> 
it's so good. But it's so genuine. It it's is. Such I a love genuine it. I love it. And what a goal it was. He had every reason to react like that, man. He controlled the ball with his outstep at an awkward angle on the edge of the area after Henri's shot had been saved. In the air, bro. In the, in the air, air, he controlled like, it. It was yeah. beautiful. And then he like teed it up and just fucking curled it past the goalkeeper, man. And Literally, goal. two really slick touches by him and the ball is in the back of the net from the angle it was in, like, and the strike that he gave. Wow. And it took Jonsson a long time to do something like this. Yeah. It's his first goal in Serie A, but... I think he'll he'll go down as as one of the heroes in this tragic battle that Venezia are facing. I yeah, would say, with especially that goal. if they manage, man. Like Venezia, and they must be inspired right now after that. But they're done, dude. They're, you think done. they're done. I think they're done, bro. I I like. It's funny because because a game like this should show me that they're capable of doing it. They're capable of getting out of it. Can you find out what games they have left, please? Sure. Um. But but I think just the teams above them are such a step ahead, man. Such a step ahead. Like Salernitana are looking good. Cagliari are looking decent, man. Genoa, you yeah. know, they just got that victory. They have Roma at the Olympico. Oh, no. And then Cagliari in Venice. The oh, Cagliari ones, they can no. do it. They can do If they get something out of the Roma game, they take on Cagliari head to head in the last game of the season. they get something against Roma? A draw against Roma is fucking difficult, but it's it's attainable if you for fucking Venezia. park the bus well, man. Like they they, they have a final, go out man. They have a final for a nil nil. Roma have a final in the Conference League. I don't know if that's close to the date. Of I don't this, think of it this is. Fixture. I don't think Let's it is. Let's see. This is on the fourteenth May. Conference League, League final. final. Let's see. Twenty fifth May. That's no, after. it's after. It's properly it's after. Um, no, I, I, I don't think they can do it. If they do, man, wow, like, but it'll take a massive slip up from the teams above them as well. Yeah, crazier things have happened this year. Salernitana were down way worse than they that's were. True. So. That's true, that's so true. You're fucking see. right. You're fucking right. Um, again, bro, I just want to highlight again seeing Mihailovic at the game was excellent. It was, it was. It he's, was. A, he's a perfect example, a true professional, a leader. He prioritizes his work over anything, man, and that's. Honestly, it's it's beautiful to see his team, man. You know, he's like their dad. Like he is, he is. Obviously, I did see a couple of things written that that were like they were on a, a great streak, and then Mihailovic showed up, and yeah. then they suddenly lose to Venezia. <laughs> is there some things to no, to, to say no. about? I don't think so. I think he's basically the man in charge when yeah. he's not there. Of course, as he well. sets everything up, right? Exactly. And they got close to winning this one. This is know, one they? of those occurrences. And the tactical change was actually what brought them back into the game. Exactly. The Orsolini theater. Exactly. So. That was a, a, a brilliant decision by him. In hindsight, I thought it was like yeah. in the beginning, I thought it was crazy, but but it turned out to work really well. At the point, I was wondering, is Arnautovic having his best season ever? And then I checked, and yes, bro, he is. 14 goals in a season is his best ever. He, his wow. second best was with West Ham, and I think he had 11. He, so, he was good at West Ham. Yeah. I remember people buzzing about him. If we ever wondered where he'd fit in best, bro, being the main man of a mid-table team in Italy is the fucking answer. He's fucking great there. Mm-hmm. He could probably be... Well, either Bologna would be like this next season, or, you know... I could see him going to like Lazio with a good deal strikes and he can swap with a mobile at that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But then I he's see, playing a I more his second fiddle and then. Exactly. I could see him at a team fighting to reach, you know, Europe. Oh my god. I could see him. Imagine him, him at Atalanta. Just as one of their yeah. options. Just as one <laughs> of their many on. options. Like they just bring him on. 47th minute, like, another <laughs> shot. <laughs> Muriel out. Exactly. Exactly. Classic Gasperini. <laughs> 
Imagine Zanetti managing Bologna next year. Of course, not Zanetti from our intro. We're talking about the other manager, right? Yes. The Venezia one. Yes. That would be very good, bro, I think. Vene- he he was playing good football with Venezia, I think. I think Venezia played really well, especially at the beginning of the season. So with a better team, like Bologna have quite a bit of talent. So I think Zanetti could do a good job over there. I, I, I don't like the sound of it, to be honest, man. Um, I think the, the turn that Venezia took and seeing Zanetti on the touchline, you know, having altercations with the players as well, maybe shows that he can't control the team in the dressing yeah. room, for example. Mm. Yes, I he didn't seem seen... very naive shouting at Henri in front of yeah. everyone. I, 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 I don't think I've seen enough to tell me this guy needs to level up. I think this guy needs to go back to Burke, climb his way up again and then fucking try okay, again. Okay, fair enough. He's still young, so it's part of the... Exactly. Part of the, you know, what would you call Learning the struggle. Curve. Exactly. Yeah. It's part of the process. Everyone's process is different. I think that's the case with him. But anyway, as per their league position... <laughs> we forgot to write them this time, guys, so yeah. bear with us. And Jake has a thousand tabs I have open. one million. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why is the why is the episode so long, bro? <laughs> <laughs> two hours, man. <laughs> Where are they coming from? Two hours about know. football, man. What we talk about Milan a lot, yeah. like. So, Bologna are in thirteenth with forty three points, while Venezia are twentieth with twenty five points, four points from safety. So the last game we're gonna be covering is I was a fan of this game. I think instantly when you see. A relegation six-pointer like this between two direct rivals just above each oh. other. This was a close second for craziest game of the weekend. Bro, this one. This was fucking mental. This like. was insane. I enjoyed this game. And, and we were watching it and Flynn was watching it. And he actually uh, yes. messaged us and said, are you witnessing this fucking madness? Like, Crazy. Wow. Now we had a moment of us area yeah. and all that. Um, the previous encounter was actually the exact same result. It was Cagliari 1, Salernitana 1. Um, Salernitana were coming off a 2-1 home victory to Venezia, while Cagliari were coming off a 2-1 home loss to Verona. Cagliari are now unbeaten in four Serie A matches against Salernitana, thanks to two 3-1 victories in 1999 and a 1-1 draw in the reverse fixture. The last Salernitana win against Cagliari in all competitions was back in January 2004 in Serie B. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Mental. I lisped, but yeah, I don't feel really. like deleting it. <laughs> okay, keep, it keep it then, bro. Embrace it. Exactly. Four weeks ago, Salernitana were done, dead and buried. But a miraculous month under Davide and Nicola saw them pick up 10 points from a possible 12, leading up to this fierce relegation six-pointer, bro. Mamma mia, man. Mama here mia. we go at this point. I'm like, here we fucking go. I can't wait. Alessandro Agostini's first match in charge of Cagliari after Mazzari's sacking. So obviously, we kept our eyes quite closely on Cagliari in this one. Also, before I get into explaining the game, what was with Sepe's eye? Sepe suffered from a head injury in the last game. And his eye, one of his eyes this game, was black. <laughs> and you could see when he was talking like to the opposition players, they looked terrified looking him in the face. He actually... Watched a part of this game And when he came on the screen She went (gasps) (laughs) Like what the hell is wrong with his face He looked like he was in a music video And he was like a goth demon Or something (laughs) Like a metal video Anything not to start What's his name The subkeeper of Salernitana Ah Belic Belic Anything not to start Belic Poor guy Poor guy is great though Hey man Hey 
So it was the games didn't really open up until the second half. I would say both teams were really feeling each other out and kind of both being cautious in this relegation six pointer. It was in the 68th minute, and then that Verdi scored from a penalty for Salernitana. So Castanos demonstrated some unbelievable skill to be Trepitelli in this yeah. one. He's <laughs> so good. He let the ball like, run under his legs. Nuts, like, well done. Then he was tripped by Lovatos, he was about to destroy him too. He knew, he knew it was fucking coming. Verdi stepped up as intensely as ever and converts as he wheels away in celebration. He's living his best life. He is, he is. He's really dramatic. He's theatrical. The way he knees slides, the way he reacts. He he looks like he should be a theatre kid. Verdi, (laughs) you know what I mean? 100%. I I think theatre kids are really cool. Well done to you guys. In the 73rd I doubt any theatre kids are listening. <laughs> but I do think they're cool. Stupid then. sports. We have a lot of people at work that are from the theatre background, like, and they're <laughs> insane at everything. In the 73rd minute, there was a massive fight, bro. There was Radunovic and Ribéry sent off. Like, from the bench. Yeah. The, third keeper of, the third keeper of Cagliari and... Uh, and fucking Ribéry. <laughs> and Ribéry, yeah. Fucking that idiot. I'm sorry, Ribéry, like, we shit on Ribéry. So imagine, imagine having him on as a guest one day. <laughs> <laughs> Ribéry, we're massive fans. <laughs> Ribéry had the number seven shaved on his head. <laughs> Legendary clip. Um, Ribéry, though, he said he was ashamed to be associated with Salernitana. Wanted to leave in January. He wanted to leave in January. Then Couldn't he make his way fucking out. And now he's going to join in the celebration. He's gonna, and even when they need him, the last two games of the season, they could have used Ribéry. You know, he, got, he gets sent off for talking shit. Like, bro, how you're, you're like 40, man. I think Ribéry Ribéry has been upset for a very long time, man. <laughs> I think Ribéry, firstly, he had all that drama, obviously, surrounding him, those allegations rather yeah. than drama. Um, I believe he was fucking convicted for it. I don't know. Yeah, and aside, aside from, I think so, bro. Aside from that. But he didn't do time. No, he didn't do time. Either bail, I don't, I don't know. Gareth <laughs> Shut up bro What's this <laughs> Trying to make a point here <laughs> And then I feel like After he lost that Ballon d'Or That he was sure He won it He won like yeah. FIFA men's best players Like this one's mine Boy step yeah. aside And he stormed out After he kept on Got saying, a really cool haircut for it Got a really cool haircut for it That's right <laughs> <laughs> Literally um, and I think he's been upset since then. I don't think he's recovered from that devastation. It seemed yeah. like devastation. And then him. it was like uh, this free falling slowly. First with Fiorentina, he had a good moment, then he, he got injured. Ronaldo to Serie A because yeah. he wanted to like prove a point. Yeah, you know I forgot I about mean? exactly the Fiorentina. And Fiorentina. And then he went to Salernitana. I was like, can they stay up with the signing of Ribéry? He's barely ever healthy. Like he's always hey. fuck. He's always in crutches, man. Hey. They should have Diego Costa, man, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that was that, that was good. But apparently he's really bad right nowadays. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, heard, I heard that. But still, I think his character might bring something to yeah, Salernitana. We're really getting sidetracked. The 76th minute, Grassi clips the post with his long-range effort. He played really effort. well. He did play well, Grassi. I enjoy Grassi at times. I do well. at times as well. Then, you know... They're like, it's done. It's the 90th minute, 91st yeah. minute, 92nd minute. The VAR minute. was the fa- finale. like Exactly. 93rd minute. VAR, no penalty for Cagliari. It originally looked as though Sepe had fouled a man in the area, but he had initially been dispossessed as he had both hands on the ball. Therefore, the foul was given the other way. Exactly. So, 
I didn't think he had it. Once it slowed down, he had the ball in his hands. Yeah, for a while. He was going down. It was probably going to bounce, but let's be real. It wasn't even a second that he had it in his hand. It was less than a second, like... Um, and and the player ended up kicking kicking the ball out of his hands. Yeah, that's um, a foul. At this point in the game, that was their that was their chance, and it got yeah. fired off. You know what I mean? Like fuck. And that's the finale. We thought we're like, okay, we can tune out. No, wait, let me entertain <laughs> you. So obviously, because of the long time that VAR took to resolve this issue, the game went on until the 99th minute. And remember when Petania got the latest goal in Serie A history early on the season in the 98th minute for Napoli? Altare just scored in the 99th minute in a relegation six-pointer. Stop it, like. Stop it. There was It was a corner from Baselli. Um, it was headed into the back of the net by Altare. Sepe's touch wasn't enough to keep it out. It was quite a good header as it well. It was, and, and you can't Sepe really did well to get a touch. You can't really criticise Sepe for it, bro. At all. At all. 99th minute, obviously the scenes were immaculate. Salernitana shouldn't put their heads down. This was a massive chance for them, but mm-hmm. I'm sure they can recover. What do you think? I think Salernitana are so inspired right now that pretty much safety for them is guaranteed in what? my mind. Yes, bro, because they, they have the easiest fixtures remaining as well, if you want to check that quickly. I'm going to check it quickly. Um, I still wouldn't say that they're that they're totally safe, man. No, not they're totally safe, but it's the fact that when you look at everything, they have a better chance than Cagliari of staying up, for example, or than Genoa. Yes, they're, they're the best of the rest at the moment. They're the best of the shit ones. They have Empoli and Udinese. Yeah. They can do it. They can, they can do, do it, it dude. They definitely. Can, no, they can do it for sure. Will they is the question. Because Cagliari and Genoa then have more experience. Cagliari have Inter coming up. Ay, ay, ay. And then ah, yes, the infamous 3 o'clock game, no? Yes. No, they have it. Inter coming up, followed by Venezia, of course. Mm. Oh, how juicy, I man. I just want Venezia to fucking stadium, fast forward. Man. Time is watch these games, man. <laughs> I can't. Like, I don't know. give a fuck about work right God now. God knows. <laughs> I was going to say, God knows what's happening at work at the moment. <laughs> it's very hands-on. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I am very excited. Yeah. Um, so, this wasn't a football match, in my opinion. It was a movie. <laughs> a Quentin Tarantino movie at that. And I'm like Shyamalan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> These notes are brilliant, bro. Thank Thanks, you. Bro. Jake came up with a lot of the humor in this episode. So, thank you to Jake. Everything was really funny. Well Thanks, done. Thanks, man. <laughs> I have a note here next that says, Ribery can eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> he can eat shit, bro. <laughs> He's the worst, dude. He's the worst. <laughs> uh, brilliant. What did you make of Agostini's first match in charge for Cagliari? I mean, at the end of the day, he can look at that match and say, granted, we didn't win, but we're motivated heading into Inter and Venezia. Like, so he might ride from this high, huh? He might. He they might. might make him look good. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true, definitely. And I think, you know, now is the time where Joao Pedro like, says, like, listen, Mm. We're gonna have to save them. <laughs> Belanova's like, this is what I came here to do. You know, there are a lot of like <laughs> side true. stories, like individual stories there to prove, like you, you know, you, Altare, you know, scoring the winner in the 99th. You minute. mentioned Joao Pedro, mm-hmm. and instantly, as I said, I'm like, fuck it, we need to talk about it instantly. So he leaves at the end of the season. Probably okay? yes, he leaves. Um, what kind of side does he go to now? It's weird because it seems like. A team should play around João Pedro's system. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of like a, a Benzema. He hangs back a lot. He does a lot of defensive work. He fits into yeah. the pockets. But that's because he has to. It's very similar to Bellotti. Exactly. 
Exactly. So do you see him? Is he that quality a striker that he could go to the top seven? I see him, for example, at, at Napoli. fucking Napoli. Man. I see him Napoli at Napoli as behind those men, like, see as him, a, But they're stacked. I mean, Mertens, if they don't renew him, they have to bring someone in, you know, and he's fucking, he's the perfect candidate. And I would even say at this point, you just sell Petania, man. Sell Petania for like 10 million if I you can. I would do it if I were not. Yeah, bro. and I'd get João Pedro. You know, this would be his last hurrah. And then he can go back to like a relegation team in his later years. You know, he's not the youngest. Yeah, he's not old either, ta. He's, he's João Pedro, isn't it? I thought he was old recently as well. Joao I mean, he's like 32, Pedro. no? I don't think so, bro. I think he's like 29. All right, this uh, guy's this 20. <laughs> <laughs> he's a João Pedro with Watford. Just a completely random guy. He's, he's 30 years he's 30. old. Okay, he's in his prime. Like, now he, he needs to go with four exactly. years in him. He's yeah. that kind of He could go to a top team for two years team. potentially, like, and then and then go to like a mid table team, then a like smaller team. Could or be cool. stay up, man. Or stay up. Or, or he, stay up. Yeah, that could good. be that could be his spot. Yeah. Um but the scenes in this game were just immaculate. It's gonna be really interesting to see how it's gonna shape up on the last match. It's gonna go down to the wire, much like the title chase. Saler and Natan are currently safe, but only one point ahead of Cagliari, who are in the relegation zone with 18 points. Welcome back to our question segment to drop us a question. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter. Shall we? Yes, I feel like this is your segment and I enjoy it being your segment, bro. Uh, I always seem segment. to open it up. Eh? Mm, the transfer one was mine and it's I true. hated doing the transfer <laughs> one. Because there were a lot of mundane ones. We, we need, change we need to change year. it. I'm reading who went to PSV Eindhoven, you know yeah. what I mean? My God. It was weird. And, the, and there are names that are so difficult to pronounce as well. You're just <laughs> in hell. Like, those must speak. be hilarious to Italian people. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, just people thinking we're fucking Jamaican yeah. nowadays. Apparently. Yeah. But anyway, our first question comes from our friend Mike, who asks, what do you make of the new rule being discussed about VAR? Now, those of you who don't know, uh, managers will probably be able to ask the referee to take a look at one or two incidents per game. Yep. It's being highly talked about. Um, I think personally it's a great idea You know, there's a lot of talk about referees And I think being able to challenge them is, is a good thing What do you think that it's too? I think it's to avoid more controversy ah, I, two, think, if it's I think two, not managers are going to need to be somewhat strategic Because if yes, they blow yes, their course. first one For example, for a handball penalty And then the second one's down to the wire And there's something yeah, if they tune it up, for do example, you either they wait might not for call. another yeah. potential one, or do you just snap it up there and then? I think, considering there aren't that many controversial events per game, unless if they're behind, if they're trailing or draw, they'll always mm. contest. And it, they okay. need to limit the amount. Yeah, people yeah. just fucking use it all the exactly. time, like for exactly. everything for a corner. But yeah, um, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I think it's definitely a good start. It, yeah. it, it's going to be interesting to see how the two per manager plays out. But but I think that's the perfect way they could have started it. But we'll, yeah. but we'll see. We'll see. Our next question comes from our boy Chris. He says, Fiorentina, Roma, Lazio. Who is better? I would say out of those. Well, I'm going to add Atalanta to Chris's question. I'm sure he doesn't mind. <laughs> Hope you don't mind, Chris. Um, this season... Yeah, I would right say, now, right oof. now, not even the season, right now. I'd, I'd say Fiorentina are the best, which is controversial because there's Lazio. But I'd say Fiorentina are the best out of those. Right now, I'd I'd most likely agree with you. Um, it's between Fiorentina and Lazio, I think. Okay, you're right. Like, uh-huh, I think Fiorentina and Roma are a good side, man. Roma are a very good side. 
It's and this is this <laughs> and is so tough. Atalanta. Like this is, this is really so tough. Atalanta. Let's rank them in order of form right now. Oh, the fuck you! Like not form, just who's better right who's now? Better, like, who's okay, better? Who's okay. better right okay. now? Um, I'd put Fiorentina first. Uh huh. Fucking hell. Hey. Fiorentina, Lazio, Roma, Atalanta. Fuck it. Ah, uh-huh, it's interesting. I'd probably put Roma over Atalanta, particularly even because of the direct encounters. They just mm-hmm. all went Roma's favor. I believe it was the triple they did on them this year. When it works for Atalanta, it works. Mm-hmm. When it works for Roma, it fucking works yeah. as well, bro. <laughs> I would say, I'm not copying you, I swear, but I would say Fiorentina, um, Lazio because they look better going forward than Roma. I would safely say so. Roma are better defensively. Um, but then Lazio have more weapons going forward um, And obviously Atalanta Yeah, okay I, I mean, yeah. same yeah. Yeah. Atalanta are too form-ridden at the moment True. I would say True. When, when they're struggling, it doesn't seem like they're capable to be the team that's struggling and still getting points yeah. But they have Donkey Dick Duvan back, bro <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and, and that's gonna fucking terrorize Milan In uh, front of our very eyes, bro We're gonna we? be We're gonna be there There's gonna be Luis Muriel, Pasalic, Duvan, Zapata These guys, Coop Miners, all against us They're terrified They scare me, bro They scare the fuck And there's that fucking idiot Tinkerbell on the sideline I hate him I I, I already know what I'm gonna tell him He looks like, what's his name? Um, Oh yeah, that guy, man With the fucking sex chain Epstein He looks like Jeffrey Epstein Epstein. He looks looks like Epstein Epstein. And every gnome in the world Like I don't know what I'm going to yell at him If Milan win Uh, Touch wood And everything I'm going to shout cuts out everything (laughs) I'm just going to tell him Balla Gasperini Balla (laughs) mister Balla mister (laughs) But anyways Thank you to Mike and Chris For their questions Thank you guys If you tuned in And made it this far If you tuned in Thank you very much If you made it this far Like How much money do I owe you Like you know what I mean (laughs) Um, We'll be back again Next week We'll be back with some Personal stories of our own From the From the match So And we might be horse Yeah we might be We might be horse Either in a good way Or a bad way But we'll be back On time again And we hope you guys Tune in again Don't forget to follow us Instagram Twitter um, TikTok TikTok as well Please Rate us and five stars. Rate us five stars everywhere. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> much. That's it. All right. And send us five euro. <laughs> <laughs>